welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. I'm on this week with Pistol. How are you, friend? Good. Very good. We've now watched our, you know, whole preseason games, I guess. Those very, very small sample size of games. I'm very excited as well to, you know, jump into all of the players that played, basically. This is going to be a long part. Strap yourselves in. It is. And I just want to quickly just, like, just quickly go over the fact that we haven't podcasted in a little while now um we've obviously we've definitely heard the people uh commenting at us or messaging us on twitter asking when we're going to get a podcast out so we did the mid price of one and weeks after that we were well days after that even um a lot of stuff happened and games started and um our opinions started to change so we didn't want to podcast again on premiums or and especially not on rookies um, prior to the, the games because there's only one per team. Um, I was able to watch all of the games by one, so we have a good knowledge now of um, who we're recommending and, and what we're talking about and how the rule changes are going to play. And um, I mean, a lot of that is guesswork, but at least now we know what it looks like in a one-game sample size rather than just guessing. Um, so essentially, we didn't want a podcast pistol and then podcast again and say, hey, by the way, that podcast three days ago, we hope no one listened to it because everything that we spoke about has changed. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff did change. So I didn't lock myself into a full team uh, until after the games. And I obviously tinkered a lot, but never sat on a team and thought, this is what I'm going into round one with until the preseason games had finished. And that team hasn't changed for a couple of days now, a few days now. And now I'm sort of getting really hitting my straps of understanding the game, understanding what the rule changes might be, understanding a few of the rookies as well, yeah. um, what that situation is going to look like, and the mid-prices uh, are, are a lot clearer. The premiums as well are a lot clearer. So um, it's more. It's not that we didn't want to podcast and didn't want to chat about everything because you and I were definitely tinkering our teams 100 times a day. So uh, Supercoach was definitely being lived and breathed. But we didn't want to give out false information, have people listen to the podcast right before round one and click on the wrong one and get all this incorrect information and then you know, get angry at us. And we would have got angry at us. Well, so. yeah, I think the big thing is after the mid-price one, a couple of days after that, our opinions changed on a couple of things, um, which obviously yeah. we're allowed to do when there's more information to process and analyze. And we were like, I don't want to accidentally mislead someone. Like if someone's going to listen to that podcast now... Um, there'd be a lot of things that I disagree with that I said myself. So definitely yeah. we're not yeah, purposely trying to mislead anyone, of course, but we didn't feel super comfortable talking about mid-prices and rookies um, and just saying things and changing our minds a week later and someone might miss that podcast and then they go into the season with all this you know, incorrect information. I think for us, the only thing we could really count on was the past history data of... Um, you know, super coach premium players. Um, so mm-hmm. we decided, you know, um, Doc's Daily Dose, we did 30 podcasts in 30 days. 30th day will be tomorrow. So we still recorded 15 hours of content to listen to, but it's about half an hour on a singular player, which is pretty intense if you're not all in on super coach. Like, that's uh, definitely only for those that live and breathe Supercoach. More of the casual subscribers who listen to a podcast here and there, they're not going to want to hear 30 minutes on Jack Steele. That's just not a fun thing to do if you're not 
super in it. So I'm glad we're going yeah. to do this one now. It's going to be uh, a little bit long, but we're going to get through all the preseason games and um, our thoughts, I guess, leading right into round one. Yeah, and I guess a, a few people even messaged me their teams on Twitter. I uh, said, oh, look, I'm, I'm not really fond of this guy or that guy. Um, I think Hayden Young was a pretty popular one that I saw in people's teams after the mid-price of podcasts. And they said to me, well, I just listened to you chat about him and you are fond of him. I'm like, well, <laughs> like, I don't know what to <laughs> say. Harms. So much has changed. Harms was a big or one. Harms as well, was big one. Very, yeah, I was very high on Harms in the mid-price of podcasts. We both were. Watched yeah. him play and I was like, you know what? Not it today. It just looks bad. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, we get would get people send teams through, and that that would just be so much worse if we sometimes less content is more. So that's the approach that we're taking. Um, having said that, we're going to make up for it in this podcast. It will be a long one. Apologies to those who like the short and sharp podcasts. This is not going to be exactly for you. So before we get into it, I'm going to jump into the Patreon signups. Uh, there have been. More than a couple, so excuse me while I fly through these. So we've had Max, Anthony, Jason G, Brett Davis, Matt Richard, Mitch, Josh. Ah, oh, these one, these one name is a, a bliss. Um, Fionn Parker, Rob Lou, Andy, Nick Blake. Oh, okay, uh, all right. Magpie Randall. Yeah, that's what, okay. what was difficult uh, about that? It's like just one. What do you mean? <laughs> it's just it's just I've gone through Nick Blake and Andy and then <laughs> seen that and gone, okay. Yeah, well, I'm gonna name my kid Magpie Randall. Sounds like uh, a great I name. Mean, it's not nothing wrong with the name, it just caught me off guard. Just Jason. <laughs> um <laughs> That's straight. a reference from the last true. that's a reference from the last yeah, podcast for those so many justs in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Benjamin Madden, Watt Tamber, Chris Lunn, Sam Staunton. Boo Riddos, Frank King, Selden Hunt, Johnny Lawrence, Edie PH, big fan of Edie by the way, Sam Bridge, Thomas Butters, no relation, Harry Kalatis, BD, that's a toughie, Zach Zamet, oh what a name, I would, I would love to have double Z initials, that's a superhero Simon, definitely, but yep, oh my or god, a yes. or, a, or a rapper, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, Simon Prowse, Jordan Smith, Luke Swanee, Fergus, Terence Tian, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, Terence. Kane White, Todd Leon, oh, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that one as well. Um, Alex Brody Couch, I almost said Crouch there. Tim Naylor, Kingston Biscuit, Phil Collins, oh, Phil Collins, Just Ethan, <laughs> Nicholas Gerbil, Thomas Rudolph, Macadamian, jeez Louise. Great uh, we're nearly done here, guys. Jason Prattley, Callum Hayden, Harry, Ben Foster, Scott Warwick, Michael Jovanovic, David Knight, Scotland Blues, Christian Nolder, <laughs> Ash, Jack Whitecroft, Chris, Dan Witte, Kobe Stoyanovsky. This is real, by yeah. the way, guys. We actually have had this many signups. <laughs> We're not just reading <laughs> names from the <laughs> this internet. Is a gag. <laughs> Victoria G, Matt, Aaron Gillis, Nathan Curry. Tuckton Rolf, Josh Berry, Didier Mono, or Mono, could be that, Alex Walker, Joshua Watson, Nick H, Jack, Reese Tolson, Squeak, just just Squeak, that's it, Nathan Chavez, and Matthew Grimer, and Snooker29. 
probably someone named their kid and put a, a number in their name. That's crazy. Um, that is all. <laughs> that only. Yeah, no. Look, safe to say uh, the Doc's Daily Dose podcasts have been very successful. We've had uh, just a few signups, um, but welcome everybody uh, to the Doc Supercoach community. If you heard any of your mates sign up there, uh, they're getting an edge on you. They're doing more research than you, so definitely uh, come on board. <laughs> Yeah, just just egg them into it, <laughs> pistol. Um, all right, so given that there's not going to be any more stuffing around, we're going to jump straight into the first game. We're going to go through any player that we think is super coach relevant. Maybe we've seen them in a few teams. Maybe they're just interesting to chat about, or maybe we've considered them ourselves. We're going to try and get through as many as are super coach relevant and be as productive as possible. We're going to start off with the Carlton Blues in this game. No, let's talk about I'll the rule change, JB, before we start oh, all the to? games. I think we need to, <sighs> we have to discuss the impact of the rule change and how we think that's going to uh, play out throughout the Supercoach season because it was very, very noticeable. So what I'm talking about is uh, specifically the rule changes, um, two of them. One, the man on the mark um, obviously can't move. I'm sure people have heard about it or you've been living under a rock. Man on the mark once... Um, some their opposition takes a mark. The man on the mark can't move, which meant this round we saw that play out, and it had a huge impact, in my opinion, um, across all the games of football. Um, the marking for some games just went absolutely bonkers. In 2019, there were an average of 90 marks per game. In a lot of these games, uh, both teams surpassed more than 90. Um, in fact, there was a would have been an AFL record in the Port game of 190 marks in a single game, yeah, that, which that's is quite a few bonkers. Um, so basically, how we saw that play out this weekend were particularly the halfback flankers would um, have more room to either switch the ball and basically have a, I guess, a free switch because the man on the mark couldn't try and stand on the side and start running towards the player they were kicking to. So it was a much I guess, less risky switch, and they could also cut through the middle with short kicks on an yeah, angle. Yeah, that 45-degree angle kick, yep. now that you don't have the person cutting off that angle, and so like instead of having to kick over the man on the mic, you have that free space in front of you to pinpoint it and to kick it harder at the person rather than you know floating it over and it being a riskier kick. That, that was so... I thought that was almost one of the most evident changes in the game this weekend, but keep going. Yeah, no, the, those players that could keep the ball low, they were doing bullet passes, even into the forward 50. Um, there was, yep. I think, I don't know if there was higher scores across the board. I mean, there were some games that had higher scores, but there were noticeably different forward 50 entries. There was bullet passes that you wouldn't usually be able to do. There was more in a game um, that were, you know, hitting forwards on the run. So the lead-up forwards seemed to, you know, benefit from this. Um, and the, the biggest one for me was uh, I went across the games as well and looked at the average ruck contests um, per game in 2019. Obviously, I'm ignoring 2020 because of the shortened quarters. Um, as a whole, there were far fewer ruck contests um, across pretty nearly every game. Um, I think it was... Seven. I can't remember. I should have written this down, JB. Yeah, <laughs> All in my head, yeah. Um, there were far fewer ruck contests across the round, so it could also impact ruckmen that are purely reliant on hitouts and don't make their way you know, towards the ball and get involved in possession chains or, or intercept marks. Um, those ruckmen that, yeah, are very reliant on hitouts are the ones that might 
seem to suffer a little bit. So I guess the flow on effect from less stoppages would be the contested inside bulls. They might have less opportunities to, I guess, win those contested ball if there's less stoppages. I mean, on the flip side, if there's higher scores, there's more center bounces. So then there's more of those opportunities. So it is a kind of balance. I don't know. I think for me, I don't know that how big the impact will be. It might be very, very small. It might be moderate. We only well, have- That's what we want to stress, isn't yeah. it? We, we are, yeah, we're trying our best to analyze the data and what it might mean. With a one game sample impact. size. At, yeah. But as we did with last year, um, that first game back with the, the shortened quarters, it was evident immediately um, to a lot of people watching that contested players, um, those who got contested possession and tackles in high numbers uh, and intercept markers were going to benefit instantly from this uh, transition. So um, it's what we're trying to understand with this. I don't think it's going to be that large of an impact as last year where it was you know, Nick Haynes was relevant purely on the intercept marking um, side of his game, which was you know great for him, great for owners, but um, I don't think someone's going to go from irrelevant to immediately you know top six in their position just because of this rule. But it is going to have an impact. Yeah, I, I think for sure. Um, just want to stress it is we had a one round sample size basically to see how uh, this rule would impact the game, and not just that. Um, opposition teams, you know, when they're playing against each other, they also only had one game sample size. So that means that we might see in round one, they put in counteractive measures to stop what happened in this yeah. preseason game as well. They're, they're probably not going to just sit idly by. So everything that we saw, it might be nothing, you know, it, it, it might be very, very minimal impact on the actual season. So it's, it's, it is very important though to note that it was different because. You know, during these games, whilst we don't focus on the actual super coach points that were scored, um, because it's a little bit irrelevant, we mostly look at how a player played, what role they played, and I guess how hungry they were for success. And and it's hard to judge that because there's players like Sam Walsh, for example, that will always demand the ball, whichever game he's playing in, whatever role he's playing in, he's running to the spaces and he, he wants to get the ball. And there's players who it's just another preseason and they've done a million of them and these games aren't don't mean anything to them and they can just be in cruise control, kind of like Lockie Neal, where he just didn't care. It didn't, didn't matter um, for him if they, they win or lose. He just did his thing and it's hard to draw conclusions from you know those performances as well. So yeah, basically everything's on the table now. I think we're ready to go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, all right. So, how deep dive do you want to do? You want to go on this one? Do we are we talking about players such as Adam Saad who no. <laughs> debuted for Carlton, or um, yeah. we're skipping straight to the uber relevant players? I think we should do anyone that's super coach relevant that we that we think is relevant. Okay. Well, Zach Williams is is difficult to talk about considering he is not playing round one. Are we bypassing him? Well, if he's not playing round one, I guess even we were kind of off him before. He yeah, even played round one uh, before he was, you know, I guess this might save people from selecting him. If you're in, if you're playing for league and you don't care about overall at all or round one, um, I still don't recommend the selection anyway for league games. Um, no. Yeah. Most, most of the parts is durability, 24 hour team news um, before. The and there are so watched, many yeah. good defenders, so many good defenders this year that we're going to talk about. 
um, Zach Williams in in the in when the game opened and I when I was looking at the defenders, I wasn't overly inspired. Um, but now, given a couple of the little rule um, pivots that have happened, and after seeing them play on the weekend, I'm bullish about about ten defenders that could be <laughs> top six. And Zach Williams with his games played issue is just it can't just can't be in that consideration. Yeah. Um, Look, right, if, if you want to listen to half an hour on Zach Williams, you can just listen to the uh, Doc's daily dose. But we're, we're, yeah, we don't yeah. we don't really need to touch on him anymore. Okay, so someone I have seen in a lot of teams. I don't know if he's over overly relevant to us, Pistols. I mean, I haven't seen you tinker him in, but Sam Doherty, um, twenty-seven disposals on the weekend. He looked to be less locked down, more involved in the switch, more involved in you know, peeling off his man and getting those intercept marks. Um, he just looked better than what he did in pretty much the entirety of last year. I've seen him in a lot of sides. A lot of people have challenged me on Twitter um, when I've named the top six defender um, sort of list and not mentioned Sam Doherty and, and sort of they've been of the opinion, obviously, that he'll be in that mix. Um, immediately, what are your thoughts on him? I think he'll do way better this year than last year it's just there's a lot of defenders that are very good i i kind of see him falling in that um probably nine to eleven range in terms of top defenders and really in this uh back line i'm trying my best to start as many top six defenders that i feel will finish there as possible and i don't really want to gamble on Sam Doherty when he's not at a really cheap price like a discounted price like last year like he's still up there in price so for me it's just uh you know he could be good and if he's good I'll get him at his buy but at the moment I'd rather feel the you know the security of the the lairds and and players like Stewart who I think are at the moment just feel a lot safer and you more likely you know what you're going to get out of them yeah so what can you just sort of quickly summarize why it is that Sam Doherty can't go back to his 105 plus years immediately or do you think that's possible why do you sort of sit on him in regards to potentially being someone that we're looking at during the season well back back when he was averaging 110 he was almost the sole distributor well he was the sole distributor out of that back line yeah. for Carlton and they would switch and use him on every play so if he, he was very similar to how I guess Jake Lloyd was is playing he was getting now. thirty disposals a week? Yeah, they they were switching the ball to him. Like when it wasn't on his wing or his sorry half back flank, they would get the ball into his hands at all costs. Whereas now they have other good ball users and other you know players that can break the lines like Side, who obviously have just come in. Um, there's players there that they don't need to rely on going to him every time. So I don't think he's going to get back up to that 110 range. You know, he definitely could go 100. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but he's not someone that I want to bank on to go 100 when they already have, you know, these good ball users um, in their side as well. And, you know, there's a lot of decent super coach player, you know, options for, for Carlton. But as a team, it's a bit risky if you pick a lot of players from a team that's maybe not going to, you know, make the finals. There's less super coach pie to go around, and it's um, because they're losing more than they win. And then it's split, you know, between these players that are meant to average 100 plus. You know, if we, if I'm rattling off some names, um, obviously we've just mentioned Saad and Doherty. Um, you've got uh, Walsh and Cripps and Zach Williams, who are all good scorers, and, you know, Newman's coming back. And um, yeah, there's just a lot of 
potentially high 90s players in a side that probably won't get like won't demand a lot of the super coach pie okay so you did just mention in patrick cripps is our next one 18 disposals only three of which were kicks um i noticed that straight away about his game um didn't set the world on fire did quite the opposite i think he played himself out of a lot of teams um, 91% time on ground for a score of 69. Now, I'm not overly concerned about the score. I'm not overly concerned about any of it. The time on ground, actually, if anything, is quite a positive for um, Patrick Cripps. Quite a lot of it was spent forward, though. And from what I was seeing around the contest, which is the most important thing to me, is how he performs around the contest. Because last year, he was two hand passes behind the play at, almost at all times. Uh, and he scored as such, he he had a, a very subpar season, and that's being extremely generous. Um, I was on him prior to this game, and his comments in the preseason really acknowledged how he was last year and how he wanted to get back to his 2019 form. So all I needed to see in this game from Cripps was any semblance of his 2019 form, and it did not arrive at any point for me i don't know if you had a different take during the game but three hand passes from his 18 disposals um 11 contested touches is great but 18 disposals cripps is a ball winner and he's a ball and he just did not show any signs of it during this game it was extremely disappointing and he he played himself out of my team I think I saw it a little bit differently to you, but uh, similar sentiments, JB. Uh, McKay obviously got injured early, so Cripps potentially had to play more forward time um, than expected. So I, I'm not going to hold his score against him. The problem, I agree with that. The problem that I had watching him was at least when I see Zach Williams going all out in the preseason game, um, it looked like the want was there for Carlton to win the game. Um, like they weren't just laconic and laid back and just, oh, it's just another preseason game. It looked like they generally wanted to make a statement, come out, you know, um, do, you know, get some hype for the season. And he just didn't bring it. Like there was not, the energy wasn't really there. He wasn't hunting the ball. There were some plays where he would stand around maybe 15 meters from the ball and his teammate would get it. He wouldn't run and like he wouldn't try and lay a shepherd. He wouldn't run and try and demand a handball back. He was happy to just let his teammates run straight past him, um, not try and do like a one-two around the opponent. Like he, he he the want and need wasn't there. Uh, there was no killer in- instinct at all. And I'm thinking, you know what? 2020 we saw probably the worst of Patrick Cripps. Um, 2018 and 19 he was unbelievable. But he looks like 2020 Patrick Cripps in this first game. He did. I, I had him in my side because I want to select him. Like I, he's a good price point. So do I. He has massive upside, and he's someone where I feel better when he's in my side. Patrick Cripps at 523K sounds ideal. But the problem is that I'm, I'm trying to buy 2018, 2019 Cripps, and I'm just hoping he gets back there. I haven't seen anything with my own two eyes that makes me think he's definitely going to get back there. I see comments here and there, but everyone talks. Everyone's having a good preseason. And what I witnessed, I really needed just to see something in the preseason game to show me that he's back to his best rather than just have to bank on hope. Because honestly, this was 2020 Crips out there in the first preseason game. And at the end of the match, I went, yep, okay, I'm just going to remove him now. I feel more comfortable with paying up a little bit more to get 
someone who I, I know is going to be um, scoring 105, 110 plus. Whereas for Cripps, it's like it might happen, but I don't want to be stuck with him and someone else potentially going 105 in my midfield at the end of the day. I don't know how relevant this is, but it kind of just speaks to me as, you know, this superstar player, Patrick Cripps, you you expect him to be in and around some of the best numbers on either team in the game, even. He had 82 metres gained, which only Paul Hunter and Jack Martin... Well, he didn't um, kick the ball, so he's never never going to gain well, that, well, that's what I mean. He he wasn't trying. He he wasn't trying to progress the football. He was just he was getting it fine. He had eighteen disposals, which is way below what his par would usually be. But even when he got them, he just wasn't trying to advance the footy. He was just palming it off to a teammate. Two clearances, and you know that can be that can be good for Tom Mitchell, you know, getting under and getting it. But from what I saw from Cripps. He was getting the ball in a bit of space, but still just looking to hand the ball off somewhere. And there was even a time where he, you know, he taken on three opponents, burst out of the contest, and I was licking my lips. He got to about forty meters, and then he gave off a hand pass instead of going for goal when he had an open shot. And that player then got tackled, and you know they didn't get a shot on goal. And it, it just did not seem like he had that, like he said, the killer instinct to be the Crips of old, and it scared the. Poo out of me. I just I couldn't I couldn't keep him in my team after watching it. And I, like you, really wanted to select him. Um another player that played that game, obviously Sam Walsh, his teammate, had a lot of center bounce attendances, a lot, yep. um, which was a huge tick. He had twenty five disposals, a, a huge tick, went near near on one to one kick to Hamble, which is great. Um six marks, which shows that he was spreading around the ga- ground and getting the ball elsewhere. Um there's not a lot that can be said about Sam Walsh. He, he scored 61 Supercoach points, which is poor, but I don't really care about the score. I thought he performed extremely well. Um, he's priced quite low uh, for what he averaged in the second half of last year. I still think he's a really good option. I don't have him in my team at the moment, but I really liked what I saw from him. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on Sam Walsh. I mean, he was on like 40 at halftime, got 10 touches in the third, and then finished on 61 points used it I think they barely hit a target all night five clangers as well but I think that's probably not going to happen every week he looks hungry he looks like the thing that I like to see was he was in so many center bounces which I didn't expect because Kerno and Setterfield pushed out to the wings so he was like their number one guy with Crips in the center bounces I think he, he had the most center bounces for the game as well so he was their number one mid um that's fantastic signs for Walsh at 540k. He's a really nice price point. I would be shocked if he went under 105. So I think he's a value selection. And if I'm picking one of Cripps and Walsh, uh, I think I would be leaning towards Sam Walsh. He, he's just a ball winner. He knows how to find the football. He'll score bulk points. I, I really like him this, this season. I haven't ruled him out for, for being in my side going into round one either. Yeah, I'll just one-up you a little bit. 110, anything, anything under 110 would surprise me a lot with Walsh I think he it's it's the year and with the the changes in the rules that we spoke about um I think he'll benefit hit space um get a lot of kicks on the inside get more disposals in the corridor uh that way and I just don't think he'll have an issue finding the ball this year 25 touches a game minimum and 110 super coach I reckon that is about where he's going to be at this year um, which is great, and for his price point, is yeah. is really really incredible. So, 
Um, we're going to move I think Paddy on. Paddy Dow I think both, is probably the, the yeah, next Paddy player the next we've one. got to talk about here because we saw some uh, suspension <laughs> for Zach Williams, which uh, yeah. is only a good thing for round one for Paddy Dow. He was already getting a lot of set amounts of tenances. So he was fourth for the team yeah, in the game. Definitely. So now he's going to, in, at least in round one, have more set amounts of tenances. Honestly, you could do worse than buying a 200k player listed as a forward who's getting the fourth most center bounces in a team. I know his past history and his scoring isn't good. He's had a really good preseason. He still had 17 touches. I know it looks like he scored 54, but he's going to have a solid floor if he's just in the middle in the center bounces getting you know 17 to 20 touches a game. I think if you play him on your field in the forward line, he's a real solid pick. So uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's locked and loaded in my side. Yeah, I I agree. Paddy Dow in my side as well. That with that role that he had, the 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 floor is just so high with someone who's getting that many CBAs. If he's in and around it and getting you know just keeping that score ticking over, we only need sixty plus from him, like sixty three or sixty four plus from him. Um, it's you know it's for me especially. It's just such a low risk selection uh is in my team as well and the upside is like really good so the the pra- practice match that they played he was best on ground had i think like four goals or something silly and was getting a lot of cbas and clearances if he has like one or two of those games in the first 10 weeks then he's making a lot of money for us so i think the the pick just sort of yeah he kind of walks into teams he picks himself uh so we're gonna move on to the next one i think that's done yep. for Carlton. Let's move on to Saints. <laughs> this podcast is going to be uh, 17 hours. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll be long, but we, we're going to cover everyone, so um, it's it'll be worth it. <laughs> if you've Hopefully. got a player in mind, we're, we're going to talk about Yeah, if about you have them. a free spare day between when this is released and round yeah, one. Just a couple of morning commutes. <laughs> There's five days to opening. People people get through it. Um, Jack Steele is the man that f- springs straight to mind for the St. Kilda team. 101 supercoach. He had 27 disposals um, in a quite an open game. He had six tackles. He's just a tackling machine. Uh, second most in the game for him. Uh, pretty much played how you would expect him to play. Um, he was sought out a lot in the corridor. I noticed that. Um, had a lot of those um, disposals where they were sort of on the counter-attack or, or taking it out of their defense that hit someone out on the, the 50 arc on the angle. And then Jack Steele was sort of the man at that target inside to then run the ball forward and get an inside 50 or, you know, find someone on the outside with a hand pass, draw the man, that sort of thing. So I did notice he was getting a lot more disposals outside of the contest, which is great. A lot of people have that knock on him that he doesn't spread well from the contest and, and get those you know free disposals around the ground. Um, I think he was doing that really well. I think he played a really good game. I don't know if the scoring alteration helps him. I doubt it does. Um, but I don't think it hinders him either. And I think for his price tag... Um, he's one of the safer midfielders in the game to go 115 plus. No, I, th- I think that the man on the micro will help him just because he's not a pure like only inside midfielder. At least he was playing. No, yeah, he was playing running a lot on the outside. I actually, when I was watching, wasn't super f- like super high on 
the role that he was playing because he was really outside. But as the, as the round progressed, I was like, it's actually kind of a good thing. Um, I think the big one, though, is Ryder being out, JB. Um, we don't know how long for. And um, last season, he averaged significantly worse. Actually, pretty much all of his poor scores were when Ryder didn't play. Um, coincidence? potentially but you know if there is a link uh, between that he could get off to a slow start um, without Ryder there so that's something that uh, you have to take into consideration if you're you're going to pay up pay up a lot to select him yeah and I think slow uh, I think it's best to specify slow start doesn't mean 105 um, he's probably still going to go around 112 to 116 oh, in those first few rounds without though. Ryder I don't he's know. good I reckon, yeah, I reckon, he's a good player I reckon, he averaged 122 last year I know, but I think uh, in a re- normal, realistic season, that probably drops down to like 115 types. And then without Ryder, I think you're, you're looking closer to 107, 108 start, which would be a big price drop from what he's currently priced at. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he went 110 for any period, any four-week period of the, the season. Oof. I think he's like under 110. <laughs> um, regardless, I think it's good to sort of just look at the other options. There are a lot of good midfield options. Oliver McRae, Zera, we're going to talk about all of them later, but um, it's a good opportunity to, even if you really like Steele, start without him, watch the slow start, which I think will be 110, which is still a lot of money lost um, for Jack Steele. So if you do want him, it is just, I think, better to start without him. But I'm not going to I'm not gonna look at someone's team with Jack Steele in it and yeah, desperately sure. tell them to get him out. So who should so we talk the about next, next? The next person I want to talk about is actually probably a bit of a POD, Hunter Clark. I think it's 438K in the back line. Um, he had 15 contested possessions and eight clearances, and he got subbed out. He only played 68% game time. At 96 Supercoach. It, he he was fantastic like in that midfield. Yeah. He's not he's not there in their top I, I wouldn't expect him to play you know as a a full-time midfielder this season, but I think he's well and truly in their center bounce rotations. Um when they get Hanbury back whenever that might be, I think they're saying now potentially mid-season. Um he's potentially the one that might get pushed out a little bit, but honestly, he could make that that, that spot, you know, being that fourth mid in behind you know steel and um crouch who they just got as well um he, he could make that spot his own i think he is probably not in as many teams as he should be but at the same time he's competing with a back line where i think you need to average 100 plus to f- to finish in the top six and he'll be around there but i think just on the underside so it's kind of a pass for me but i, I can see the appeal for sure yeah, I loved seeing that Brad Crouch was in for that 61% as well. And they sort of got subbed off around the same time in the game. Um, so that was all with Brad Crouch in, who's not going to be playing in the first two rounds. So um, I, I really like Hunter Clark. I think he's, I think he it's a good player. primes himself a really for a player. great selection, especially in your draft leagues. If you can get your hands on him, um, I think he's going to be a great, great pick for the year. But as you said, and as we're going to say a lot this podcast, defenders... The bar this year is higher than it's been in a long time. And a hundred flat average, I just I don't think he's gonna be top six worthy. I think you need to just be a, a touch above that. And I, I see Hunter Clark getting around that mark, but if if you're picking someone to start in your defense, you wanna see the upside of one oh five um plus. And for me, Hunter Clark just isn't quite at that stage yet. It wouldn't shock me 
it honestly wouldn't shock me if he got there. But at the same time, it kind of would. <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy <laughs> so Webster, two seventy four k JB. He is yes. probably a mid pricer that we need to consider as you know that D five position competing with a couple players in that price point um he went on a bit of a tear a couple seasons back uh to open the year um before getting injured he averaged he was averaging over 100 for like i think it was an eight game or nine game period so he has scoring potential in the past but then he got injured fell out of favor in the team he seems to be back in the Saints side playing off a halfback flank um james frawley went down with an injury tom highmore was subbed on which I think just shows that Webster's not the next person, I guess, out of the side if Carlisle was to come into the side. I think Carlisle's more fighting with Highmore and it's less likely they do a whole big switcheroo and Hunter Clark goes back and um, you know Webster gets pushed out of the side. I feel like he's pretty locked and loaded uh, for the f- at least the first you know, six to ten games minimum, if not the whole season. So how do you, how do you see him as a mid-price, I guess, defender selection? So as I think he, I think he's locked into the twenty-two. I think he'll play there as long as he's fit. So that's great. Um, as far as and the role at the moment is great as well. But as far as the selections go, he has two of the biggest cons of a player when thinking about selecting them. Firstly, he's versatile. Um, if they decide to switch a few things up, I'm not saying Webster wouldn't get dropped. But if he ended up being the third tall and played a little bit taller, he's more than capable of doing it. The coach even referenced that. Um, in the post-match game as well, just saying uh, in regards to Frawley, Webster can play that role. I don't think he will, but if he does, that kills his scoring output. Secondly, he's missed a lot of time. That year that he was doing really well, um, he got injured then. He was injured almost all of last year, slash out of favor, but mostly injured. Um, he had a lot of niggling uh, injuries. I think it was to do with his feet. Um, so that that's always a big, big, scary danger sign. Um, but for me, like the upside is there. There is just so much downside that the pick scares me to death and I, I don't think I'd be able to endorse it. Like it, it just, so many things could go wrong. Um, you'd need a lot to fall in place for it to all go right for him. Yeah. I mean, he's a good user of the ball. I can imagine he gets quite a few points. He's great. If, in his role, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. If he's it's rebounding just- and Saints are a high marking side as well. So potentially could mean more points for him i i definitely think he's not in as many teams as he probably should be but at the same time um he's someone where it's like i'm not sure he's the best mid price for that price point so you'd kind of be only considering him if you're looking at two mid prices then he's probably has to come into your consideration yeah so the last guy for me on the saints team is highmore we don't really need to discuss it um i personally think he'd be named round one if so, uh, he should be occupying a D7 or 8 spot in your side. Yeah, I mean, look, the reason we're saying D7 and 8 and not D6, not that he won't have good scoring potential. It's just yep. if Carlisle can just come back in at any point in time, and Heimel will yep. be the one to make way. So he's playing to keep his spot in the side, which is un- not dissimilar to other rookies. I just uh, feel like if you're... It's more of it's more says things about the other rookie options available and how much we trust them to be on field. He's pretty much the yeah. only fieldable rookie option in the back line um, that I see personally, but we can talk a bit more about that uh, potentially at the end of the podcast. And JB, before we jump into the next game, Paul Hunter, um, 102K, uh, Ruckman for Saints, really good um, scores in the you know second tier divisions, but 
I guess, how long will Ryder and Marshall be out for? Marshall only expected to miss three to four, is it, yeah, at this stage so. at most? Yeah, yeah so I, I just... I know that they usually play with two Ruckman, um, but Marshall's good enough to not do that. It's just the fact that Ryder's also good enough to be in the team. I don't think Paul Hunter's good enough to have them play that two Ruckman style of game. I think when Marshall returns or Ryder... Hunter just goes out. I don't think they roll with the, the two. Well, they so, have Sean McKernan um, as their backup anyway, so it's not like they desperately need Yeah, well, that's right. So yeah. McKernan, I think, is ahead of Hunter. Um, he, yeah, he absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, he's good, and he's a good player. Um, he, he came from yeah, uh, the Sandful. Well, yeah, I mean, just be Dons, and that was pretty... Um, I've always thought he's a decent player. Anyway, we can probably jump into the next game if you would like. Yeah, so as far as the Ruckman go, if we were to rank them, I think Highmore would be last for both of us. For Ruckman? For Ruckman. Yeah, you know, you know what for I mean. Hunter. Hunter would be last for both of us. Hunter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last out of, uh, what, are, what are my options? Mm, Meek, Flynn, Tricky, Tracy, Triassi. Fullerton. Triassi, Fullerton. <laughs> and Fullerton. I think, uh, yeah, Hunter would be well. I should, yeah, probably. Yeah, he's, he's probably yeah, last or second on. last. Yeah. Okay. Which is, I think, we're going to move on than other people, but we'll we'll move Collingwood on. Collingwood versus Richmond. Uh, unfortunately for me, because I'm on with you, there's quite a lot of relevance in the Collingwood team. Oh, it's not that uh, many, unfortunately. They're all defenders. Yeah, they're all relevant. No, they're not. No one's relevant. We Let's suck. start with Jack Crisp. <laughs> okay. He had 130 supercoach points. He looks like he's going to do well with this the the, the rule change. Yeah. Um. He had 130 with three frees against, uh, 88% time on crown. He had 29 disposals. He looks great, and I think he's going to be in that top eight, challenging for top eight mix all season, um, and his consistency is excellent. He, as he doesn't always. miss so, any games. He never never misses a game. He plays 22 every so single talk, year. Talk to me about Crisp. Look. And be, I don't, be as I don't need to be. I don't need to be super thorough here. He, he doesn't miss games. He's played like 100 and something games in a row. He will average 100 because he always averages 100. The only downside is he has around 14 by, which is shared with Laird and Lloyd. So if you pick Crisp, you're most likely copping a donut in that back line in round 14. And you're also copping a Gorn and a Grundy donut if you have them in your ruck line. So there's the, that risk comes in from. But he's a super solid pick. I The only... The buy is the only thing I'm holding against him. I think he'll do very well this year. And Collingwood's lately in the last year or two have been playing chip chip footy around the back line. And if uh, we had 93 marks more than the AFL average in this game, um, and Richmond had 136 JB, which is well and truly more than the AFL average. That's an enormous mark count. But this is going to be what I expect our game style to be uh, for the whole season. And I guess I can, if we talk about you know Maynard, who went 107. Um, he as well is someone who's got, it's the same problem. Like Maynard is probably still a worse selection than Crisp. Um, go just under a hundred, but it's just not good enough in the round 14 by Jeremy Howe as well. Jeremy Howe. I mean, Howe went 90 in 67% game time. I think people who selecting him, so people in two camps about him, it's like, oh, the scoring system favored him so heavily last year. He was averaging 120 plus before he got injured. Now he's going to be crap this year because the scoring system doesn't favor him. And other people are like, 
well, he went 120 last season and is priced at 513, so he's a great pick. Um, you're both wrong. <laughs> no, he, he's he's fine. Like he will be on a lot of Collingwood kickouts. He is still a player that we want to get the ball his the, the ball into his hands because he's a great user of the footy. I can very much see him go anywhere between 95 and 105. Same problem with the buy. Um, it's the buy is the only issue I see here. But I have completely no. Um, if someone showed me their team and they had how in it, I would not be pointing that out and saying, "Oh, maybe you should consider getting rid of him." So he, he would still just be quickly, uh, just just to quickly summarize. So, do you think any of those three players have one ten plus upside? No, I don't think any of them will go one ten. But I think okay. if if you had to make me pick between them, I'd put Crisp one because he doesn't miss any games. Um, mm-hmm. How to, and then Maynard last out of the three, and I think all of them will go around 100 and all of them will be solid and it's just unfortunate that they've got the round 14 by. Brody Grundy, uh, just quickly, I don't really need much from you. Did he look better than his entirety of the 2020 season? He did. Um, I have some concerns in that Will Kelly was injured and therefore we had more reliant on Darcy Cameron um, and obviously Will Kelly broke his collarbone so he's going to miss the first couple of weeks, I think it's very likely Cameron will play. When Cameron is in the side, he doesn't do what Cox does where he just rucks in the forward line. Like Cameron gets actual rucking time in the centre, bounces, um, and then Grundy gets either heavy arrests or Grundy plays a lot more forward than he does when... Um, so do you, you know, think Cameron plays over Cox? No, no. I think we play Cox and Cameron and Maya All Jack. three. Yeah. And I think, it's, oh I think we go with that structure... Um, while Will Kelly's out, and then Cameron will go out when Will Kelly is back available. Um, so I think the first couple of weeks might be a bit rough for Grundy. However, that being said, he looks heaps better than last year. That energy was yeah, there. I Everything agree. I wanted to see, I wanted, I didn't want to see him look lethargic and like kind of not running around and getting the ball. Like he had 17 disposals. So that's he gave away so five free kicks, which like he he's not renowned for no. giving away heavy amounts of free kicks. So, yeah, I think the upside is all there. Maybe we just don't captain or vice-captain him in the first two weeks while um, you guys sort your team out. But essentially, I think he's as safe as any player in the game and, and really good value as well. So, yeah, didn't think I'd be saying that about Grundy uh, ever since he broke out. Pretty much that'd be a value pick ever. There was... So, this is great. 70... It was I think it was 78 contests on average... Ruck contests on average in 2019, if I'm, my memory is serving me correctly. Um, as I said, I didn't write it down. And in this game, there was only 50 hitouts. So there was like way more chip-chip footy given the markings were both, both teams had over 90. The ruck contests were well down. So this was one of those games where I looked at it and I was like, oh boy, this might actually impact Supercoach. Um, so that's just kind of a side note that I, I wanted to mention in, in particular about this game because Grandy had 26 hitouts, which doesn't sound like a lot because it's not a lot, but at the same time, on the Tigers' side, the highest hitout earner had eight. At eight, yep. <laughs> um, all right, so I want to touch on a, a few more things quickly. So Sidebottom obviously got injured, um, rolling him out for the first round or two, so we obviously can't 
select him. Sire played the game. I know he's a cheapish player. Yep. He had 76 supercoach points. Um, was not in the A squad at training the other day. So I think it's safe to say that even though you and I might think that he plays in the first couple of weeks, he has really shaky job security, um, making his price um, a little bit too much to, to take the plunge on. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. But we're, oh, how long are we going to not talk about Dugowie for? That was the last <laughs> one. So Dugowie is the only other player that I wanted to discuss in this game. Um, 76% time on ground, played the midfield role that uh, he's been spoken about getting pretty much since he debuted. Um, wandered forward, kicked a couple of goals as well for 100 super coach points. I don't know if I already mentioned that. 27 disposals, 11 marks. He had a really good all-round game. Looked as good as any player on the field whenever he was in the midfield. So um, that was excellent. Uh, did get a niggle later on in the game though. And I think it kind of uh, crashed everyone back to earth. So he had, um, I think it was back soreness in yep. the, the last quarter. Um, and that, that sort of brought everyone back to, oh, this guy could be really good. But he also does not play full seasons of football ever. No. Um, so I think he, at his price... Um, although the upside I see is clearly there, um, I just think he's far too risky with other forward players um, just looking looking at locked into the top six. Yeah, uh, look, when you hear someone get 27 possessions, 11 marks, two goals, two, you kind of think, oh, that must be a 120-point a game. 100 points, I know it, it's hard to take you know note of the score, but the thing is he's not like a super good... He's not a player that's going to. Even if he got thirty touches, he just doesn't. He hasn't used it super well. He's a he's a goal kicking mid, which is good for super coach. But he's not somebody that I think is a, a worthy selection. He, he's always going to be value given his four hundred thirty five k, and he's going to average more mm-hmm. than that price suggests. But if you yeah. combine like his, I guess his up. What I'm trying to say is his upside doesn't like negate all those downside factors like if if his ceiling was like 170 like dunkley like if i saw him get 170 i would be like all right well i might then think well he might not get injured this year or whatever it might be and then i would factor him more in but geez with that round 14 buy on top of it all it's just yeah i think uh 435k i'll pick him up after his buy if he's having you know an all-time great season but um, I'd love to yeah, see it as a Collingwood fan, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, and I'm I'm a huge Dugowie fan. A lot of people, um, I'm not. Don't I'm like not. A, I'm not a big Dugowie fan. Yes, you, not even you. <laughs> so I'm I'm really big on Dugowie. I think he's excellent. So I would love to own him. But 127 Dream Team to 100 Super Coach is not the ratio that I'm after. If he's able to switch that up, then um, I'll be I'll be all over him like everyone else. Um, the injury risk does still yeah. exist, though, guys. Before we jump um, into Tigers, JB, I, was, I just want to very I was quickly touch on it. Okay, you do it. Go for it. I want to see. We're going to talk about Oliver Her- Henry no, and, and say was, that he's I was going to talk. likely not best twenty-two. No, I was going to talk about Pendlebury. <laughs> oh, Pendles! Oh my God! All right, I'll give I'll give you thirty-four seconds. Go. No, it's Scott Pendlebury. Um, obviously, Trelaw is out this year. Um, people. Uh, would expect you know Adams to do a lot better. I mean, Pendlebury will also probably do a lot better. I think he's a bit of a forgotten man. The problem is he is a little bit old. He does pull up a little bit sore in some games. Collingwood relies on him a lot, um, but I, he's more of, I think, a draft pick for me. I mean, his stat line is so good. 24 touches, 7 marks, 9 tackles. He's going to be a player that I think averages 105, but not high enough, like 110, 115 plus that he's 
you know worth a worthy selection in your your starting team is definitely a good draft pick 34 seconds you're lucky um Jaden short 165 super coach points 35 kicks um do I need to even say more so he was a couple of accurate kicks away from double tonning um he had two behinds those outside 50 shots uh the old hand pass around the back that is far more efficient this year with the man on the mark having to stay still um nearly got to a thousand meters gain i don't think anyone did that this weekend but a few people got close mm. which is another another thing that we noticed um was happening a lot he looked amazing um i i think he's the 165 is less than what he scored in the grand yeah. final so he's had <laughs> back-to-back amazing games of football um without bashar hurley he is a different player um, his ceiling is much higher. His floor is much higher. Um, he could go 105 plus without Bashar for the entire year. I, I have zero doubts about that. Unfortunately, with Huli in the team, the, the the floor goes lower. The ceiling goes lower. He just doesn't quite perform as good. And it's not even that Huli scoring 100 plus scores because... If that were the case, I'd just say, you know, Huli's getting a bit older. He's getting a bit washed. I don't think he's going to do that as much this year. Um, Short should break out even with him in the side. But it's just Huli's presence in the back line. The fact that they still do channel a lot of um, rebounding football through him. And not because they think he's better than Short or he's a better option. But because if someone's on Short, they just go to one of the other five defenders that they have that can channel the ball out of the back line and and Hulu's really good and really smart at getting into those spots where they use him and he uses that next uh, kick exiting 50 so um, it's less that he's scoring Hulu's scoring challenges short it's just more that his existence in the team changes the way they play um, short also gets a few less kickouts but he monopolized them fairly well I see anyway so that's not a huge factor I like short as a pick I just need to see him perform as well with Hooley in the team as he does it without him because it might be two, three, four, five, ten weeks, but at some point the scoring that Jaden Short produces will be capped by Basha Hooley being in the side. Hmm. All right. Well, I have Short in my side. <laughs> I like the pick and I had him I had him for quite a while in my side as well. And I do think if you're betting on a breakout player to go 105 108 plus ish Hooli could genu- uh, sorry short could genuinely be that player this year I think the upside is all there for him but from a statistic standpoint everything points to short playing significantly worse I think he goes at like 93 without Hurley but like 104 with him uh, sorry the other way around you yeah, know yeah I, mean. I know what you mean um, I, I just think so short the differential is, is just so large. Yeah, but it's so large. Short is is twenty five. I think he's coming into his prime. I think this is. I think he's the player that is going to end up. I guess Hooli will retire and I Short will be the this. main man. Absolutely. I, it's hard. It's hard for me to. I think this is the year the transition happens. I know it feels a little bit of a punt, but he. I can't see why he wouldn't be the main man for Richmond. He's such a good ball user. They do well when the ball is in his hands. I mean, I know Baker's good as well. Um, but Baker, Hooley, and Vlastwin are all good at that as well. And that and that is kind of the issue with Richmond. And again, I think it's a good pick. And I think his downside 
is still 100 plus, which is amazing. You don't have that with I almost like any that. other players in, in the defense. It's great. And it's a good person to punt on this year. But if you have the money for the bigger players like Stuart, Daniel, um, it's just short, but just a little more safety and the same upside. So the the thing with me is that if I'm starting four of these guys in my defense, which I am, um, and I've got the money to start the four better ones, not even including Lloyd, I would just rather do it. I'd rather play safer. I'm taking so many risks elsewhere. If Short goes 100 and Daniel goes 105, it's not even that big a deal, but it's enough that I would rather take that safer that safer um, floor over Short just because of Hurley. That's think, the only reason. I think Richmond are a team that have exceptional foot skills and this rule is going to help them keep control of the ball. I think yeah. they will have... I mean, it's it's going to be almost like soccer in that they're going to have like really high uh, possession percentage of the ball. They won't have 136 marks a game, but no, yeah, I, I they, don't think they'll have 136. But I think they'll average way more than last they'll probably season. Go 100. I think they'll go over yeah. 100. And when you have all good ball users, you're hitting your targets on your marks, and especially when it's coming off your half back line, I think they will share it around. I I find it difficult to believe that he won't improve upon 96 last season. When no, he will. Yeah, he's going yeah, to take more marks. He's probably going to take more kicks. I, I I think this might be the year that he overtakes Hawley in that pecking order. And if so, you know, if he does, his ceiling is even high, like goes bonkers. And and on, on top of but- that, I know you you skimped over him. You know, take getting those little handballs and having those fifty-five meter shots at goal. I mean, he's probably going to average just under half a goal a game. Like he, yeah, I, he will, he'll kick ten goals this year from the twenty-two games, and he didn't kick a goal last season. So, so the thing is, the sticking point for me, yeah, there is a lot. The sticking point for me is that he's already taken Hurley, and people people that look at the stats and um, the, especially the kickout stats and that he's already ahead of Hurley in like everything. So he's already made that overtake. It's just that with Hurley in the team, given that extra option for Richmond, they just tend to just use the smartest option. Instead of Carlton going to Doherty and being predictable every single game three years ago, Richmond just choose the guy who's on his own and Hurley gets into space and gets on his own as much as anyone. And they just use him because they're not going to you know, spend another three seconds looking for Shaw and then all of a sudden Hooli's closed down and they just, Richmond are just smart. They're a good team. And the problem with them in the last four four years, five years of Supercoach is that they don't have one player that they channel the ball through, not even Dusty. Um, and it's hard to pick any of their players because their whole team is capable of doing everything that someone else specializes in. So it's kind of crazy, <laughs> but... Again, I, I really like the short pick. Right, I He's think- not in my side. He has been in my side. We've spoken about it. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I think we've talked about 10 minutes on short. We're at nearly an hour and we're on the second game and we haven't finished finished it yet. We're flying. Oh, my God. Um, Dusty. Dustin Martin scored Jesus. 70 points, uh, got subbed out, 64% time on ground. A lot of people jumped off uh, with after seeing 70 super coach points. Um, ridiculous. If you had him before the game, there was no reason to take him out. In fact, there was probably more reason to start him. Um, I don't like the Dusty pick because I owned him last year and he's incredibly frustrating yeah. as to when he decides to play football and when he decides to just be a Richmond player and let other people play football. Um, it is so frustrating, the ups and downs. His price point to me isn't even at the lowest that it will be for the year. He always goes on spurts of three or four games scoring 70 as well as, well as he goes on spurts of three or four games scoring 100 plus. So he's just not a desirable pick to me. 
I think he'll average between 100 and 105 as he does every year. Pre- every pretty year. much plays every game. I think he's safe the, as just the safe pick. Uh, it's it's yeah. a nothing pick for me. You just you pick him, you lock him away. You don't think about it too much. If you want to pick him, do it. That's as simple as that. Um, JB, before we change over, um, just quickly retouching on Oliver Henry. I do, I do think he'll play still. I, I do think he's best 22 for Pies, but he scored seven, yeah. seven super coach points in 72% time on ground. Um, I don't Ooh. think that is super out there. I think this can happen to him during a season. He's a young guy. He doesn't rely. He's not like an accumulator. He's like an impact, high possession, uh, low possession, good ball use um, type player. I think he will likely average like 50 and he's slightly more expensive than other forward options. So it's just a... If, I, I don't reckon he plays round one. I think he, he probably that, that, will. They're another one that had a, a preseason clash uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, um, I know. Intra-club, and he was in the B I team as well play. as Sire. So he's just... Yeah. Uh, maybe, honestly, maybe. If he if he pulls out a seven during the season, though, he'll, he'll miss a couple yeah, of you'll never, you never put You never want him on your field. So it's kind of like what we've got. Yeah, but they'll drop him. Yeah, like no, I know. Like his security is not But you don't want to put enough. him on your supercoach field anyway. So it's like you don't yeah, really yeah, want to... Yeah. Pick him. He costs more than other 117k rookies. His, this his, whole game was a bad, a bad news story for our supercoach uh, rookies. So Will yeah, Kelly, yeah. Oliver Henry, kind of ruled themselves out. Uh, Collie Dawkins not in the first team either. Ruled himself out. Um, yeah, it was just not didn't play. fun. Um, yeah, it was not fun watching this game. I guess Finlay McRae still didn't make the cut. It's just yeah, a bit disaster yeah. here. Anyway, let's jump a bit into of a the dagger. next one. Yeah. So next one was North Melbourne. Uh, versus Hawthorne. North Melbourne losing by 39 points to who a lot of people predict to have win the wooden spoon kind of says a lot there, but um, we're going to ignore that for poor North Melbourne fans. Um, where do you want to start on this one? Uh, Jack Zebel? Do you want to talk about Dom Tyson? <laughs> I, think, I um, think so, yeah. Well, well, Dom Tyson was good. Uh, 23 disposals, eight marks, three goals even, um, if you don't mind, 111 supercoach points. Uh, they were just missing quite a few players in the midfield. Like, I think he's best 22. Just. Um, I just don't. I just don't think he plays that much midfield when the likes of Cunnington are in. Uh, who else? Them. Demont and Jed Anderson. Yeah, yeah. So like he he'll get midfield rotations. I think he plays in the team. He's just not like he's he could score well if he was getting this many CBAs in an actual game, um, but he just won't. Yeah, two forty three k. I think is in the midfield. It's just a little bit too much. Maybe at one eighty or something, you might be tempted, but. Yeah, I, it's too hard to pick someone at that price when they might be dropped, as well. So, like any given week, unless uh, they're, Jack yeah, Zeeble, unless they're a different position, like as a defender, maybe. But yeah, anyway, continue. Jack Jack Zeeble had a a half and half game. Half of it was great for super coach players. Half of the other half of it was bad for the coach. You would think. Um, a lot of times he he got caught out, matched up on uh, Cozzy for Hawks. Um, Jacob Kaczynski, who kicked a lazy six goals three. Um, I don't think he spent the entire game matched up on him, but enough of it um, and enough of the time where you'd see Jack Zeebel push up the ground a little bit too much and the ball come back over his head straight to Kozzi, who kick a goal. Um, I don't think he's a great defender, but he took majority of the kickouts. He scored 107. He had no issue getting the ball yeah. um, playing that defensive role and that, at 250k makes him one of the five easiest selections for our supercoach teams. Yeah, no, he, look, he's someone who might go 50 one week and 110 the other, but he's going to make you, he'll make you a coach locked him into the spot as well. Uh, yeah, you yeah. just got to pick him. It's simple as that. 
Um, who else do we want to discuss? Jaden Stevenson? Um, yeah, we have to, I think. He scored 91. Uh, he's priced around that three to 400k mark. Um, 27 disposals. Quite crazy. I can't, I can't believe he actually had that good a game. I thought it was significantly worse watching him. But yeah, he was kind of everywhere the more I think about it. Um, only the two behind, <laughs> well, the more I see it directly in front of my face. Um, only the two behind, so could have had a much higher score. Again, the, the, the midfielders that they were missing, I, I know Jaden Stevenson will play more midfield this year than he's ever played before. But will it be enough for him to be kind of a keeper at that price um, and contending with someone like Jai Colbor, who we know is going to be glued into that midfield. Um, he's a tough pick, but I, I can't really I can't really formulate many arguments to say that he's going to be a guaranteed bad pick. Um, he's just not for me. Look, honestly, to be blunt, North Melbourne are not a very good side and Hawthorne <gasps> without Jaeger and Titch are not a very good side. This is two teams where they're playing pretty much against the easiest opposition they could be playing against. And he had 27 touches and he still only scored 91 where he'd need to average like 95 plus to be a keeper yeah. in the forward line. I, I just, in no world can I see him doing that at all. Uh, so for me, complete wasted pick at 350K. Maybe will make you 80K or 100K, but like it's just, it's not worth it for me. You've got all these players coming back as well. This is, yeah, it's 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 a it's a big no for me. But um, let's talk about Luke McDonald. Oh, straight down there. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd like that. McD- <laughs> McDonald had forty six super coach points, eighty four percent time on ground. So it's not like he was subbed out or anything. He did have a team high, I would hope, ten <laughs> clangers. A round high, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, may, maybe even an all-time record. No, he had two free kicks, which were which were two of them. Otherwise, eight clangers by disposal. Twenty-four disposals was still fine. Um, four marks, I think, is unders for what he will generally be getting. Um, quite unders, especially considering the rule changes. Um, as someone watching the game, I thought he played a lockdown role until Jack Siebel got um, sort of Siebel didn't get subbed off, but he didn't. Well, I mean, he played 86% of the time on ground. It felt like less than that. Um, but when Zebel was off the field, you could tell Luke McDonald would switch into that sort of roaming role. Um, and in t- when Zebel came back on the field, you could see uh, Luke McDonald go just slightly more lockdown. Not full lockdown, but just slightly more. Um, I think they know Zebel can't do that role. I-, I think they know he can't be accountable for his opponent well at all. And it kind of works against McDonald. And as much as I want to start him, I just see him being too contained to be able to go 110 or 105 plus. Um, I think he'll still have some good scores this year. I think he'll just have some bad scores as well. I think the overall, the rule change the man on the mark is going to help somebody like McDonald. And his back end of the year was unbelievable. So I think there's that upside there where he could average 105 110 plus even he's you know he went on 117 average for the last 10 or so games last season but yeah honestly um i i still actually i'm not really off put by this game i know 40, 46 points is not good but 10 clangers is a lot of points then you've got to take into account if he'd hit the target 
you know, instead of going from a minus four, you're turning that into a, a positive three, a seven-point swing. Potentially, it lost like you know almost seventy points um, just from the clangers. He knows how to find the ball, even when he didn't have a good role for you know the first part of the match. When he was freed up, he just went nuts and found the ball heaps of times. Um, I would be surprised. The, the problem is the volatility. I think I I, I like short. Because I like Stewart, I like Short, because these players, like in their bad games, they still pretty yeah. much go 70 plus and 80 plus, and they will just pepper 100. Whereas, like, McDonald, he's going to get a 46, he's going to get a 50 during the season, and then he'll get yeah. 150. But, like, I'll just buy him. <laughs> if he's doing really well, I'll just buy him after a 50, and when his price drops, um, he's, he's yeah. not super cheap. It- yeah. If he was 50k, I would still have him really 50k cheaper. I'd still have him much higher in my considerations. Unfortunately, he's just priced around the shorts of the world where um, I just think there are so many better picks. He's so close to being someone I consider putting my back line. Like, I I had him for the whole preseason. He was, I called him a lock, but like, you know. As, as they go. A few more, a few more comments yeah. <laughs> to move on from Luke McDonald. Yeah. I think you need a yeah. you, you need yeah to take some time. We can talk about um, yeah. go go for it. Tom Powell had fifty seven points in sixty seven percent time on ground. It looked amazing. Uh, should be in everyone's side yeah, on field. Uh, Lazaro had the twenty one in thirty five percent time on ground, a whopping negative twenty yeah. meters gain. So that's that's not great. He, he won't play. He is, you don't reckon? No, I mean, you've, I've got three. You got Cunnington and Demont and Jordan. I mean, look, Demont and Anderson might not be back for round one, but they'll probably play round two. So, okay, Lazaro. Fair enough. I, not, I thought one of the coaches voted. Vote. Okay, fair enough. Uh, anyway, Will Phillips uh, doesn't look like he's in the best twenty-two. Neither does Phoenix Spicer, although Spicer did look good in his uh, short time on ground. Uh, the, I guess the last guy, Lockie yeah. Young, priced at around 200k in defence, um, 85% time on crown for a 50, uh, just looked pretty bad. Three free kicks against and then two other clangers, so the, the score could have been higher, but realistically, he's not cemented in the best 22. Um, he also can't be super accountable for his players, so if he goes out, maybe... Um, uh, oh my gosh, we'll just maybe Luke McDonald becomes more of an option then, but I think they give Lockie Young the start for the season and eventually realise he's really bad at football and, and drop him. Harsh. That's harsh. I think he's uh, yeah. one of those guys he's that terrible. probably just peppers 60 and you're paying 200k for someone that peppers 60. I mean, you're paying, yeah, you don't even get super solid job security. It's hard for me to say I like the pick. <laughs> All right, well, Hawks given that glowing endorsement, we're going to move on to the Hawks. Um, Tom Phillips... 134 supercoach points on his 30 disposals. Kicked a goal. Um, I know you're not in love with the pick, to put it lightly, um, but you can't ignore the 30 disposals and, and big score. With Phillips and O'Meara, sorry, with Tom Mitchell and O'Meara returning to the side, um, I think he goes to more of a wing role. But these rules technically should suit Tom Phillips, right? Yeah, they should. If Hawthorne could keep large possessions of the ball against their opponent when I think they're probably going to finish in the bottom four. I, honestly, um, for, Hawthorne, ha- wait, yeah. Hawthorne had how many marks? Oh, 88, 88 sorry. Yeah. I was reading their kicks and thought, oh my Lord. No, no. <laughs> Look, Imagine they that. played North Melbourne, who I think will win the spoon 
This is it's such yeah, a hard game true. to draw data from. I think Phillips is a massive trap in my eyes. He's four hundred k, so he's not even that cheap. You're picking him as a keeper, definitely as a keeper. Um, he's had a career best, you know, of ninety. Uh, he's gotten 30 touches plenty of times for the Pies before. I've seen it happen, and he doesn't score well in Supercoach because he doesn't use the ball well at all. And then this game he's played without Tom Mitchell and without Yago Mira, and he's done well, which someone has to do well. They won the game um, by 40 points, so he, he's done well, which is great. Happy for him, but you know, throughout the season when they're getting pumped every other week, I uh, see him going between 100 to you know, then 60 and then 100 and then 60. And he pretty much will finish the season at about like 85, 87, well off the pace as a pistol. forward six. And uh, uh, if he's great, buy him. I don't him. think you're happy for him, Pistol. Pardon? I don't think you're happy for him. Okay. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 it's fine. He's fine. I just look, if, if he's good, <laughs> he has the round 12 buy. You just buy him at after his buy for like 70K more if he's good. I'd rather yeah, not take the risk good. and have to trade him out. It's it's not worth the risk for. He's not even that cheap. Jacob Kaczynski, not going to play North Melbourne every week. Definitely not going to kick six goals, three every week. Um, probably more more like seven goals, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is a great option for our bench. Uh, I don't think he's going to get anywhere near that many looks on goal. Um, I don't think Bruce played in this game, did he? I mean, did he? look, Kazi will play... You never want to play a key forward on your field. No, in he Super looked. Coach. He did look more mobile than what I thought he would, as far as key forwards or key position players go. But he's playing for Hawthorne yeah. in the forward line, and you know Gunston and Bruce are going to be there, and they don't even average that well. <laughs> That's um, true. Because he's just not going to be a great on-field player, but he's going to be awesome for our bench. Yeah. Um. I, th- I think he gets a really good run at it this year, which is. Awesome for him, awesome for us. Should make us some coin. Um, might have a like big out the block score, um, which will help his cash down, but that's about it. Yeah, next. So, <laughs> CJ, Giath, um, yep. 123 super coach points, 24 disposals, and the seven marks. I would say most of which were uncontested, uh, sorry, uh, intercept marks yep. um, sure. without knowing the actual statistic. He played extremely well. However, he's playing in a role that is currently occupied by Jack Scrimshaw, um, who did it when uh, Cicely got injured last year. So I think it's quite safe to say that Scrimshaw is going to come back in, at least affect um, CJ, which is, you know, like when I say affect, I don't mean he's going to go, CJ's going to go 50, but um, I don't think he's going to go 123 at all during the season. Um, I think they just have a lot of players that can do that. Again, they had North Melbourne's midfield kicking to North Melbourne's makeshift forward line. Um, I just this was the best opportunity for Jath to look good, and he, he did, which is great. But um, as far as options go, I think there are just better, cheaper options around him. Yep. No, I assume Shaw's coming back in the first month anyway. Not that the CJ will get dropped, but if it'll impact his role, as you said. So it'll just yeah. It'll just anyway. Him. Who's um, up next? <laughs> I think Brockman was great. Uh, a player to have on our benches. Not confident with him on the field. Again, five scoring shots on goal. Just won't happen much during the season. Yep. And then lastly, Downey did look good on field. Uh, 17 disposals. Only 40 super coach. He did um, kick a couple out in the forward and just have a couple of unlucky disposals, if I could call them unlucky disposals. Um, but essentially, I think he's going to be much better. I think he's going to be good for a 60-plus on field um, quite a few weeks. I don't want to lock him into every week, but um, he looked really good. Yep. So um, I'm happy with him. And then lastly, Jarman Impey, 39 super coach points in the first quarter and a half, pretty much. 
Um, he just looked fine. He had 95%, uh, 95 meters gained, uh, six disposals. I think he will have better moments, worse moments during the season. And another safe 65-plus scorer and like super locked into the best 22. So I there's think, not even any doubt about I that. I mean, he was subbed out early, so people saw his score 39 and jumped off, which I'm grateful for because yeah. he's only you know 212K. But he it was on a few kickouts as well, JB. So anyone at that price yeah. that's on kickouts is going to have a much higher floor. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw him average 70. I, I'm actually expecting him to average 70 plus at that price. I agree, yeah. Just put in those 70s, the 80s every week, you know. Uh, it's not much, but, you know, it's honest work. So we'll we'll roll with that. Lastly, do you think Lachlan Bramble is a chance or he just goes out for the uh, the two returning gun midfielders? Yeah, I, I, even if he does play, I don't know. I mean, you could, if there's no other rookies... I guess then he's fine and he's good loop, but it's not the highest super coach scorer, and I do think he'll be out soon. So, yeah, we'll just um, well, play. We'll, we'll see what happens before round one. But I'm not. I'm not going. He's not in my side at the moment. If that helps. Well, we're slowly building up here. We've only got a few games to go. Uh, only half the round. Jeez, so this is game. <laughs> it's Geelong. Four? Wow, long podcast. What, what do you want me to do about it, Pistol? No, so, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> okay, Geelong versus Essendon is the next match. Unfortunately, there are quite so a lot of many people to talk one. about. Okay, um, Tom Stewart. Firstly, twenty-nine disposals. Um, I think we can quite easily summarise. If you have doubts about Tom Stewart, go look at the end to his twenty twenty season. Um, he, I think his last seven games he turned up in consecutively. Yeah. Um, he looks like a really good value option, um, considering. One of the games last year was the broken collarbone, which he only scored 14-ish in. Um, his price lower than he should be. He averaged um, really well last year. I think he's a super, super safe pick, um, and he's still on kickouts. Uh, shared with Jordan Clark, who did really well as well this game. So um, Clark had the 29 disposals. Um, I will go back and talk about Atkins as well, Pierce, so don't, don't stress. Um, Clark had the 29 disposals, 10 marks, 4 tackles, uh, 1 goal, 2. He was everywhere. He was forward. He was midfield. He was... Um, I think he got a couple of CBAs. He was taking kickouts. He was everywhere. I think Mitch Duncan returning in round 2 probably affects the output, but the role really shouldn't get flipped on its head. I don't see him going to a back pocket or a forward flank or anything. They really need his um, meters gained. He had 710 of them, uh, led the team by far. Isaac Smith was the next one with 481. Um, so I, I just think he brings something extremely unique to their side and they'll they'll play him um, as long as he's not putting up like shocking performances. So um, I'm super confident with Jordan Clark in my team. I think he's one of the better picks this year. So when you say 29 disposals and 10 marks, you'd be shocked when I said that was only in three quarters. <laughs> he rested yeah, for the entire third quarter. Third, like, yeah, he did. Uh, that is insane. And you can select him as a 240K defender, DPP. Or midfielder. Yeah, like yeah. honestly, um, if he is terrible in the first game, I can see... And you know, and and all the other players he's competing for a spot with play unbelievably well. I can see him going out for Duncan, but I just feel like he's the twentieth player in that Geelong side, and there's you know a twenty second of twenty first and twenty second that will go out for Duncan yeah. instead of him. So I feel comfortable having him as um, a D six with such high upside, especially if he's going to be playing he's on the a wing. Really good player. I think he's a good player. 
Like you, you see player like you see teams try and force players in just because they're young and they had a decent rookie campaign and you know they end up fizzling out. I think Clark is genuinely going to be a good player. Yeah, look, I mean he'll have games where he scores fifty and like forty five, hundred percent, and he'll yeah. have games where he scores one hundred and twenty plus. So I'll take that at his price. And his role's great. He'll make money. He'll make one hundred and fifty k, score enough. I'm I'm not concerned. Let's move on. Patrick Dangerfield, ninety four super coach points in seventy eight percent time on ground. Um, coasting, I'd say, is probably the best way to put it. He had a really good first quarter and then um, spent the rest of the game just plodding along and, and doing you know, bits and pieces here and there. Um, he doesn't need to go out, all out for a game like this. We know how good he is. He dominated the Pracky um, the week before and he, he looked fit. So I think we ticked all the Dangerfield boxes. Yep. A must-have this year, in my opinion. As much of a must-have yep. as anyone else in the game. Yep. We, we spoke uh, very... We spoke a lot about him on our uh, Triple D, Doc's Daily Dose, and one of the things that came out was basically um, how he actually isn't as un- overpriced as you know m- people might consider him to be. Um, and a lot of that is to do with, I guess, his role and playing forward and you know what we expect him to play this year. Obviously, more midfield time when you've got um, Jeremy Cameron in the side and you know how he's averaged as a midfielder. And essentially... He should he should average what he's priced at or better. So um, that's enough for me to select him in my starting side and just be happy with. Also, it's Throw so fun to watch key. him. Come on. Oh, my God, yeah. It, yeah. It's the sleep at night factor is huge with Dangerfield. Absolute delight. Um, okay, so do you want to discuss the nitty-gritty of Geelong? Oh, I want to talk about Tom Atkins. Come on. Okay. Uh, my other question was, did you <laughs> want to talk about Jeremy Cameron? Um not particularly. We can say he's okay, but yeah, he, fifteen you, get, you know what you get, right? Goals, he's got to kick game three, three goals, four three, goals um, to score well. Three fours. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know I what think you're doing. It's fine, but not amazing. Yeah. Um. All right. So Tom Atkins, um, available in our forward lines, playing on half back for this match. 120 super coach, 28 disposals. He was everywhere, everywhere. Um, 14 of those disposals were contested. He only had the one clanger, the one miskick. Um, otherwise, he had an exemplary game. Um, what are your thoughts? Because, like, can he can he lock down this role for a season? Can he be a good pick? It's like you're, you're relying on so much to go right, but if it does, <laughs> he could be an amazing pick. Look, I, so I watched him um, in the scratch match against Collingwood. And I was like, Atkins looks really good. And then just didn't really think much about it. And then when he played in this game, and I was like, Atkins is unbelievable off the halfback. Like, what, what is happening here? He, he's changed his role to become a halfback. And he, he's really good. Um, 293K forward is also, it's like an, kind of an awkward price. Because if he was the same price as like Danaher or something, I probably would pick him for fun, but 60K more than Danaher, it's really hard to select him. And also, he's the 22nd guy probably in that Geelong side, and Duncan's coming back in round two. So it's either going to be him that falls out or one of the other fringe players like Francis Evans or something um, that probably goes out. And only one of them... Like, one of them is definitely going out for Duncan. So he has to play better than somebody else, otherwise he's dropped. And then... He has to continuously play well 
or he's dropped, which is really scary when you're selecting someone at 290k that has no job security, essentially. Um, Super fun player. Very, very draft. Oh, um, I kind of still want to pick him, but I, I don't maybe. think I can do it. But I, I want to, but I can't. But I want to. Just I can't do it. Okay, I've got to get you out of this loop. We're going to move on to Essendon. Um, I think they're top two players in this match. They're the main ones we want to discuss. Firstly, Zach Merritt, 37 disposals, um, six tackles. Had an amazing game with the seven clangers, mind you, pistol. Yep. Only one of which was a free kick. He still scored 126 supercoach points. I can't think of many other players I'm more confident in in the midfield than Zach Merritt. Yeah, since since the new new coach, slightly better role, more inside as that third slash fourth rotation inside. I was a bit skeptical, but after the you know how we saw that this rule change man on the mark play out, he's the exact type of player that I think could take advantage of that because he gets into those good spaces. Like he, he's like an insider that can play wing really well, which is like the types of players that I want to select. He loves taking marks as well. He likes those short, you know, 45 meter kicks, uh, 45 angled kicks. It's, it's just going to help him. Uh, I, he honestly, as soon as um, these rule changes were announced, I was already like, oh, actually, I think I'm going to start put Zach Merritt in and then played this game. And I'm like, okay, I'm definitely selecting Zach Merritt now. And uh, yeah, looking forward to having him this season. Jordan Ridley is the next one. 110 supercoach for his 25 disposals, uh, six marks and essentially nothing else. Uh, but that's this is what he does. 11 of his disposals were contested. Um, coming from defense, that's a crazy high percentage. Um, and he took all seven of the kickouts, I believe. So yep. um, played on, I think, from five of them. That's a guess. Um, it's something like that. Yeah, but all of them. Essentially, monopolizing the kickouts, at, which he didn't have last season, um, surprisingly took way less than what people would predict. I think it was 24%. Um, now playing in a team without Hurley, uh, a team without um, Redmond, I think, is another one who I don't think is best 22. Played in their VFL game the other day. Um, a team without... There's someone else that's out of this team that was taking kickouts. Saad. Saad. Um, I think Ridley's essentially free to walk up and take them. He's the best kick Gleason? in the team. Um, I think it's maybe. Anyway, sorry. Continue. <laughs> I was a bit slow to but react. Yeah, Saad, Saad took a bunch as well. Anyway, essentially, he has the red carpet to the free kicks... Um, if he's going to get another three or four or five disposals a game just based on that, um, I think it's just going to be a sensational pick. The marking hasn't stopped. He's still the go-to man on the switch for that team. Um, I, I personally think he's an amazing pick. So watching the game, after the first quarter, I was like, ooh, he's playing really deep. I'm not super interested in him playing really deep. And then the next quarter, he was just, awesome um basically he was awesome for the whole game um and i all my fears were eased he played 97 percent time on ground and uh i think that's kind of what's they're gonna have to rely him you know he's gonna have to do that because they just don't have many good defenders at the moment they can't really afford to take him off the ground but you're right the ball's going to be down there a heck of a lot 
they're going to kick a lot of behinds. He's taking 100% of the kick-ins. He's not even sharing it around. They would they would put the ball down on the ground or just wait for him to get back into the goal square. Yeah, there were so many times where someone picked the ball up and took a step into the square. Yeah. And Ridley just popped up from behind the goalpost and was like, yep, no, thank no, you. No, they, they would wait mind. for him to like walk back into position. Like they just wouldn't, they wouldn't go quickly. Like they just waited yeah. for Ridley. So I saw that, that, that and I'm always. like, oh man, this is going to be awesome for Supercoach. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I do agree. I don't think he's overpriced either. I would not be surprised if he went 105 this year. Oh yeah, 100%. I've got him pegged in for a similar average. So Huge. Jai Colwell is the next player. 24 disposals, four tackles, um, only 67% time on ground, 87 Supercoach points, which is great. He needs to go that 95 range uh, 95 plus potentially with the top five forwards looking great this year um, to sneak into the top six to eight uh, his price is really kind for someone who's potentially a keeper um, I personally I don't know what it is about the pick but given his junior numbers all the way through GWS and um, his needful numbers as well he just never won a lot of the ball um, consistently so uh, he'd have high possession games but he wouldn't average high disposals, even playing in an inside midfield role. Um, I'm scared his, his floor is too low for someone who needs to average 95. Yep. But I also can see all the allure in picking him. Um, I'm not here to talk anyone out of the pick. He's just not going to be in my starting side. Yeah, I, I don't think my concerns I raised on the mid-pricer podcasts uh, were put to bed in this game I didn't I, I really wanted to see get more of the ball I know 67% time on ground seems low um, I don't think he will be a super high time on ground player given it's basically his first season as a full-time midfielder in the club um, I you know would be expecting him to have you know low 70s time on grounds and be part of those heavy I guess midfield rotations but he's got a great role don't get me wrong um and I I think he will average 90 between 90 and 92 it's kind of like are you willing to pay 350k for that and then have him as your f6 like for the whole season and you know or would you rather just like not select him and then during the year when someone gets concussed or someone gets injured and there'll be another player that will fall down in that range and then select them you know, throughout the season instead, because it happens every year. And, you know, if no one does that, you could probably finish off with a better F6 anyway, because I'm, I'm sure there'll be at least, you know, 10 achievable players that will average more than 92 on the forward line. Zach Butters comes to mind, but yeah. yeah. Obtainable, um, I know I said achieve, achievable, <laughs> obtainable. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to quickly uh, fly through a couple of their rookies before we talk about Dyson Heppel. Yes. Um, Ned Kale, 83% time on ground, 52 super coach. Even if he does get the the best 22 spot, who which I think is yeah. uh, probably unlikely yeah. considering Heppel and Hind both have that sort of rebounding role and you know Kale kind of is lighter frame than either of them and like just doesn't quite seem like he's there. I think he'll play a lot of games this year, but um, maybe in patches, I'm, I'm just not confident on the pick. Um, he played himself out of my side despite um, like playing well when he had the footy, but just not getting enough of it and just not quite convincing me yeah. that he's going to be best 22 for the season. Yeah. Um, Harrison Jones is another one, <clears throat> cheap forward. We have quite a lot of forwards. Um, we don't, I don't think we have, we are at the point where we need to choose 
a tall forward who's just going to crash a lot of packs and you know, do a lot of good things, but that won't translate to super coach points. Um, he had 43 in this game. I think his floor is just unbelievably low and, and probably too low. Yep. Nick Cox is the next one at an elevated 175k. Um, he had 32 super coach points with ball in hand. Looked great. Um, took a really good mark as well early. A couple of behinds, which um, obviously if he converted those, his score would have been a lot friendlier. The problem is he, he just doesn't quite have that knack of getting the ball himself. Um, I'd say besides the mark, a lot of the, the, the footy that he did have um, fell to him was passed to him um, when he was just in a bit of space or uh, like, I know I'm saying things where like that's how a lot of people get all of their disposals, but um, at that price, um, playing on a wing as a kid, you want him to go find his own footy. Um, and it felt like the only time he got the ball, the ball sort of fell into his lap and then he was fine. But like, it just, it just doesn't look like someone with a ceiling to um, live up to a higher price tag or be on our field even. The issue is when you're paying 175k, you really want to be able to field them. And I don't want to put him on my bench. I, I think he'll make money, but at a slow burn rate. Slow, and you can never down. field him. It, look, if there's no other options and you have money, then I guess. But, you know, for a bench spot, but he's not, he's definitely not currently in my side. Um, he hasn't been in my side since this game. And I really had, like, I was. Really wanted him to play well on a wing and, and enable me to start a D6 rookie, but he just did not deliver for yep. me. Um, lastly, Alec Waterman just does not look best 22, even with the injury of James Stewart. Um, he played in the VFL side a couple of days ago, so unfortunately just looks like he's just on the outer of the side, so yep. um, not someone that I'm looking to rely on during the season, even early days. So we will get to Dyson Heppel now. 21 disposals. Um, my biggest issue with Heppel, and you can see it with the six clangers, is that he's never been good with the football, right? Yeah. He's never been a good disposer. What he does do well is plays within his strengths, and he will only bite off what he can feasibly chew. Um, and you could see that a lot in this game, and I was, I was starting to grow higher hopes for him. But when the game ramped up in pressure, especially against someone like Geelong, um, and a player like Heppel is forced to whack it on the boot, uh, it's just not going to go well for him. And playing on half-back and getting a lot of those balls where you're having probably two or three guys run at you and you just have to punt it forward, he just doesn't have the time, the space, and the knack and the, the kicking ability to continuously hit targets. I think he's going to be so capped in his scoring potential this year by his kicking efficiency that it's going to be tough to for him to make that 150k um, and go at around a 90 average. I just don't see it in him. I, I honestly, realistically, see him going 75 to 80 at, at best. I think I have him probably pegged now for 80 to 85. Honestly, I was disappointed. I thought he was solid enough in the intra club. Um, sorry, the the scratch match the other day, and he I think he had like 19 touches and. I guess limited game time, and he's he's done twenty one here, but you're right. If you can't use the ball, I, I just really can't see him pumping out enough hundreds to balance out the low scores. That that's basically my concern. So yeah, and yeah. this isn't a this isn't a preseason game. The pressure is only going to get harder from here. Um, so he's gone yeah. from a scratch match with low pressure. He d- did well. That's understandable. Preseason game, more a little bit more pressure. Still did well. Twenty one disposals and. Only really wasted the ball later in the game. 
Um, so I think he was on for a good score, like a good 70-plus score until it got to the end of the game and he lost a few points and then had a few clangers and lost more points. Um, but when the game, when the year actually starts, he'll feast on teams like North Melbourne and Hawthorne, Adelaide. Um, he'll have some good scores, maybe even like the Sydneys of the world, but he just... When, when they verse those higher-pressure teams, like Port Adelaide, Western Bulldogs, um, Richmond Collingwood, he's just not going to have the ability to score highly, and it's, it's going to hurt him a lot. Yeah, and this, this uh, as I guess, for this game as a whole, um, just a side point, I guess, we had seen over 200 marks in this game, so it was definitely a marking game. So you'd hope that the halfbacks you know, would get more amongst it when there's more marks going around. Um because both teams had a lot of marks, but yeah, didn't quite get there. And also, just 53 um, hitouts for this game, so well below the average again. So it was another one of the games that stood out to me as the, I guess, man on the mark yeah. rule really impacting the flow of the game. Okay, well, that does me for that game. Um, I'm going to move on to the GWS versus Sydney. Uh, so GWS won this one. Um, so who do you want to discuss first on the GWS side? I'll give you first crack oh, here. Look, it's hard to go past Tim Taranto. Um, he, it's so funny because, like, it sounds good. Thirty-one touches, seven marks, and a goal. Um, One hundred and six super coach points. You probably just ignore that because the rest of it sounds good. But he is a really good dream team player. Like he's one of the best dream team players. And he's just, even in his best year where he was averaging over 110 dream team, he still just averaged 102 super coach points. He doesn't, yeah. doesn't convert it into super coach. And watching this game, I saw things that there was a couple of red flags. He very clearly isn't in the midfield three rotations. He's the fourth and fifth person fourth, yeah. that come into that side. But he's so good in the middle, that he got heaps of the ball when he was in there. So I was like, I, I can see it working in some games because he gets so much of the ball when he's in the midfield. He just isn't in there enough for me to be happy with it. He was just playing, you know, high half forward just for a lot of the game. So for me, role-wise, ruled him out of my side because I, I, I went into the game wanting to select Taranto. Um, I should say, because if he was one of the three midfielders, I was like going to be really hot on him. He just wasn't. It was very unfortunate. Um, I, I don't think without that midfield time, he's going to have the potential to average 110 plus, which is really what I wanted to see. Yeah, and trust me, I was far more bullish on him prior to the game than um, probably anyone um, in the out of the three of us, Dr. Supercoach people. So, um, I really wanted to start Taranto. I love him as a player, as a pick, everything. But yeah, I again am like you and 31 disposals and a goal is probably going to be one of his better games this year um, during the season. Now, he will emulate it during the season multiple times, I'm sure. But um, if that's if that's in his upside and he's scoring 106, like I need him to convert that to a 125 plus score um, and really show me that ceiling's there. And it's he's good enough to make up for the games where he scores, you know, 103, 104 because he plays more forward time. Um, it's just yeah. not quite there. I pray that he's forward eligible next year. It'd be in 100% I, I don't think he's like a love bad pick, JB. Like, I, I wouldn't pick, like, him and Raul and Cripps, you know, and Walsh and, like, try and cheap he'll out. He'll average 105 yeah, to 100. I think he'll average 105. I think, he, I think he's fine as an M5, but you can't be selecting... Uh, you have to be selecting, like, the best of the best, like, safe midfielders, and then him. 
around him. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be taking a couple of cheap options and him. I think that's a recipe for disaster. You just will miss out on too many good players. So Tom Green, the next one, 83 super coach points, 21, 22 even disposals. Um, just the one tackle surprised me. A goal as well. So he did play quite a lot forward too. Um, he was the other one um, probably rotating with Toronto a little bit. Um, 83 super coach points. I don't think he's going to go out a goal a game, firstly. When he did play forward, he got a lot of the ball, which kind of... Miss, it though. was a pro yeah. and a con. Yeah. It was a it was a pronicon because like, I don't think he'll perform that well forward during the season. I don't think it's a good indicator of what he'll do there. Um, I think forward for him is going to be a lot less um, beneficial than it is for someone like Taranto, but he did really well up there. So I think it's kind of, it's like a tease, but it's not what, like a accurate representation of how it's going to be during the season. Um, and when he was in the midfield, like he was great, but he's like fifth in that midfield rotation. Um, so I just, I can't see him, this is like a ceiling game from 83. Um, I can see him pumping out some big scores when he does get more midfield time or if he's in there towards the end of the game, he can do some great things, which we saw last year even, um, which will get him some bigger scores, but it's going to be coupled with a, a, quite a few bad scores as well. Yeah, he's so clearly the fifth midfielder. I needed to see him push someone out for me to want to select him like at, at, at his price at 350k. I mean, for him to make you 150k as a cash cow, you know, he, he needs to average 90 plus, and I don't think he's going to get enough midfield time to do that. If he had the midfield time, sure, but he's not going to get there. So for me, it's a, a no man's land pick, and uh, yeah, definitely staying away from him this season. There are so many relevant players. Kieran Briggs, we don't think is favoured in the in the two rucks available out of him and Flynn. Um, Flint's had more years in the system. I think the coach was quoted saying, or somewhat, maybe it was Callum Ward. I think it was Phil Davis was quoted, said that Flynn will, Flynn will play round one. Coaches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't think Briggs is a player that we'll see yeah, um, early days. Yeah. If we do, great. He'll, he'll be in my team, um, even if the job security is a bit shoddy. The scoring potential is more than enough um, as a starting Ruckman to popping in with bad job security. It just, I don't think we see him round one even, so it's not really a factor. Um, another player, uh, Connor Iden. Do um, we, should we look, talk, about, talk about him? Iden is the 22nd player, I think, in the side. He's, he's first out when someone comes in, so you can't pay a premium for someone that's, he's not even that good of a scorer, so you don't even get like extra job security and extra scoring potential at the 214k. You just kind of get not much for it so it's that's a, a pass for me i don't think we should spend too much time talking about ash either um because uh, yeah he was kind of a non-factor wasn't he yeah look I, exactly what i thought that would happen in the pre in the mid price podcast happened he he's here nor there i don't think it's going to be this year 15 touches it just doesn't get enough for the football to be able to average 85 plus or 80 plus he's it's uh, 66 i think he'll you know average between 70 Maybe 75, but yeah, it, it's uh, not at 320k. Um, but one player I do want to talk about is Isaac Cumming. Okay. Yeah. Yes, so uh, scored 69 for the game, had 15 disposals, a lot of the kickouts available, um, of the eight 14 of that were yeah, eight. given to him. He scored, yeah, he had eight of them. Um, do you know the play on ratio to that? Six by the way? of the eight he played on. Yeah, perfect. Um, that really raises his floor. Um, if he's getting that many kickouts, I don't know if that's like a designated thing. I suppose with eight out of the 14, you'd say it likely is, but um, it wouldn't shock me if it's a rotisserie either. Um, and it went through 
all of the players in that defense. I know Perryman was back there as well, which we didn't expect, um, which really hurt his role. Perryman played really well as yeah, well back did. there, 87 super coach. Um, and Ash is obviously the more agile, quick player um, who, if they want a quick play on, and Ash is just around there that, you know, he might take a few as well. So um, I'm not confident enough to say that he's going to monopolize them. But if he does, or if he even gets close to doing that, we will see someone with a higher floor than what we probably thought going in. And if he's got a 65 floor with an 85 upside, then he all of a sudden is a little bit more attractive as a pick. Um, I just don't know if I can select him. He he looked terrible besides the counts, <laughs> to be honest. Isaac Cumming is not the the sexy super coach pick, that's for sure. Um, not flashy. I don't think he's going to score me, you know, 110 plus or 100 plus. He's currently still in my side by the skin of his teeth. But honestly, if you're taking eight kickouts a game, I think he'll continue to do so at least until Whitfield's back. And who knows how far away Whitfield is? If he's able to do that, yeah. he'll, his floor will remain high enough that I'm not scared to you know put him on field. I'm not. I'm. I, I think 69. He he was awful. Honestly, he, he was really bad, he was. and he still scored 69 points. I mean, that's enough to scare most people off. Pretty much just scared me off. I've just been in, in and out and in and out on my side. But he, if this is the worst he goes, when if he has a good game, I can see I can I can see a 90 plus score, maybe a low ton. You know, um, if they control the game off the halfback at some stage, um, I just yeah, he's he's. <laughs> Just not a sexy pick at all, but I don't think he's a bad pick. I think there's there's two they're two no, very I don't different think he's things. Terrible. Tanner Bruin, four goals, one, eleven disposals, a couple of tackles, only sixty two supercoach points. Um, when I when I was watching the game, he did so many good things. I put him in my side, and then it's only until like a day later I looked at how many points he scored, and I was like, oh my god, if he's doing that in a in a victory and kicking four goals and putting up 62 points, I would hate to see when GWS lose um, and, he, and he doesn't hit the scoreboard. Uh, he just has too low a floor for 153K. Um, he does not have locked in job security as much as I think he likely plays you know, 15 plus, which would be great. Um, it's far from locked in. He just does not look like someone who we can trust. However, if it comes down to it and there's no other players to reasonably go for, um, he's also not someone that you should avoid intentionally and maybe go a loophole over, um, but just make him your like last option. Yeah, 153K is a midfielder, but playing in the game as an actual forward. As a forward I think, pocket. I think he's yeah. one of those really slow burns. I actually think his job security should be all right. So they, they don't yeah, they be. don't have really... Their fringe falls away real fast, GWS. Yep. So I think he can hold his spot and he probably will make 150K just really, really slowly. I, I wouldn't want to put him on the field, maybe against like Adelaide or North Melbourne or Hawthorne or something. But um, yeah, I, he's like my last... If I need someone and I have the money for a f- mid-bench, then I guess I'll pick him. But currently, he's not on my side. <laughs> Just finally, uh, Josh Kelly as well. I don't want to go too in-depth because yeah. we know that he misses games every year. That's our stance yeah. on it. Um, he did look great. Amazing. Um, but, yeah, we, we try not to get sucked in, and I've been successful. He hasn't not entered my team this preseason for the first time ever. So <laughs> I um, had him the entire he, preseason. <laughs> yeah, I know you did. Um, he's obviously amazing. He's obviously going to go 115-plus uh, when he plays. We just need to stay on the park, and I need to see an entire full healthy season from him before I can even think about selecting him in my side so stay strong community so Sydney's the next one 
Um, we'll start with Chad Warner. Uh, 89 supercoach points, 19 disposals, a few tackles and a goal in there. He looked amazing, um, almost too good to be true, Chad Warner. He, from the player that we saw play a couple of games last year, um, he, it's like he space jammed someone in the offseason. <laughs> but he was getting a few CBAs. The role was much better than what he'd ever experienced. He looks like he's put a bit of weight on um, muscle-wise. Not He's not fat. Um, 144K, really safe selection. If he holds on to a semblance of the role that he had um, in this game, then he should be a super safe like 55, 60 plus, which is all we need. Yeah, he was nearly, in my opinion, best on ground for Swans. Everything he did, he was yeah. absolutely, he was electric. Um, I remember putting him in my mid-bench last season and watching him, I think he had like, he, I think he scored negative two or, or, or positive one. It was it was very close to zero in his preseason game. And we were like, oh boy, we got rid of him. But he came <laughs> back, um, he looked unbelievable that extra year done wonders for him and only 70% game time as well so I think he's earned around one spot um, he's earned a spot in our super coach fields as well he needs to still play well to keep his spot there is competition in that swan side yep. but it's it's not like he will go out and never appear again I think he's someone who could definitely earn his way back into that side because there's so many young players um, to will there will be a rotation um, going on, but I, I think he'll quite easily make 150k as well, and it's nice to have a fieldable forward option that won't, you know, stink on field. Braden Campbell timed his run into the AFL perfectly for us super coaches. The rule changes, I can't believe, I can't believe I'm saying they, they suit a rookie really well, um, but they are made for him. 85 super coach points, 18 disposals, 12 of which were kicks, um, a couple of tackles. When he has the ball in hand, um, you're guaranteeing yourself super coach points. He hits targets all around the ground. Um, he's a super penetrating kick. I remember there was one time he got it off of halfback um, and kicked it all the way into the forward line for Papley uh, to mark above his head. It was He's an amazing, accurate, damaging kick. Um, I think they're going to try and find him, not as much as Lloyd or Dawson or even anyone like that, but it's just enough that he's going to keep on ticking on and, and he's going to put up some good scores this year. He looks amazing, so um, doesn't even really need discussion. Uh, Callum Mills, 78. Yeah, I, I agree. I d- no, I d- no, 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 no. I don't, okay. I don't, he doesn't need discussion okay, pistol. Fair enough. I don't think there's better options anyway. That price will just, just, just L- take him. I don't think he's as good as you make him out to be, but I think he's fine. No, I'm not saying he's going to average 150, but I'm saying if he goes 70 plus, then we're getting go all that we want to more. But I think he'll be 60 plus, which is enough. Continue. Yep. Okay. Let's move on. Callum Mills, 78. Um, 17 disposals played 83% time ago. I was in the most CBAs by far uh, for Sydney. Um, I think this was like a wake-up call to a lot of us. I had him in my team um, the week before when he played in that preseason practice match. Um, he looked great in the midfield. He had the ball on a string. But the reality is is he's not a midfielder. Um, like, he's... He's played in defence for so long, um, and he hasn't played in an AFL midfield for consecutive games, um, or especially not a string of games or four games in a month, etc. So he's not quite a 105 guaranteed plus midfielder. Um, he's going to have games like this where he scores you know, 78, 80, 85, um, and it's just going to lower his average enough for him to be... About about where he's priced at, to be yeah. honest. Um, yep. But but people were picking him as a value pick and in a one ten plus potential. I think that's not quite there. Maybe 
uh, next year or the year after. We're going to see some big games from him, but equally um, low games. So he did have a delayed concussion result as well. Um, I don't want to say that factored in, but um, essentially he just feels like too like he just feels like a safe pick for his price. But also there are so many safe picks around that area, and he has the bad buy. So yeah, I, I think he's he's priced it. 98 JBs. So he's not cheap. And the thing is, he's five. So he's 544k, right? He will have games where he scores sub 80, and he will drop below his current price. Again, like I, yeah. I feel like I could pick him up during the year for like 460 if I wanted to. Um, he will. I think he'll still average approximately 100, but I don't think he's a starter selection. I'm glad he's playing in the midfield, but this happens to be a year where I want my halfback flankers to play in the halfback flank because of all the, the marks. Yeah, crazy. So, look, just because you're playing in the midfield doesn't guarantee you to average 100 plus. There's plenty of mids that go, you know, 95, and that's just not good enough in the back line this year. So, uh, for me, I'll pick him up cheaper um, if he's available, and I might not even want him if he's not that good. So, yeah, happy happy to wait and see on that. Errol Goulden um, doesn't even require discussion. He will be selected round one. Um, I, I, I sort of toss and turn as to whether he's an on-field option. Um, I think depending on the opponent, he will have some good on-field yep. scores this year. He's very, very precise with his kicking and his um, disposal, so um, he shouldn't ha- he shouldn't really have games where he has like you know eight clangers in a game and like scores really poorly um he uses the ball pretty well and he gets on the scoreboard when given the opportunity um i think he's just he's just good, good. yeah um, yeah i agree i mean Otherwise, honestly i think he was fighting for a spot with sam wicks and sam wicks had 16 touches and really well. nine tackles <laughs> so sam yeah. wicks was very very good so there is i have uh, some concern that he still will be the 23rd man for the Swans and, and won't play round one. But I I think I'd still pick him, as crazy as that sounds. I think sounds. he's already confirmed round one. Oh, well, then he will play. But they're going to have multiple debutants. Yeah. I mean, um, I, it could be Logan McDonald and Campbell and... and no, like, I think, I think they said Golden. Oh, okay. Well, then, <laughs> then he's playing round one. But, yeah, round I, one. I think I would have selected him anyway. <laughs> I, I think he'll be a good pick yeah. for this year. So, yeah, he's definitely locked in. Uh, just quickly, uh, I think we all agree Isaac Heaney, uh, 76 Supercoach points, um, doesn't quite fit the bill this year. There are some really high-end premium forwards, and despite his price, um, is super uh, injury-prone, and also just has too low a floor. Um, he's going to be that price again throughout the year if he is really good. Um, he always has these low lows, um, and despite having a high ceiling to go with it, He's just not someone that I'm looking to to start my side with that injury risk, to even even with a cheaper price. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I think um, well, there's two more players I want to touch on before we move on. I'm sorry it's taking oh so God. long. Yeah, I know. Logan, Logan zero McDonald. More players I wanted to touch Logan on. Logan McDonald <laughs> came on, um, you know, in in the third quarter. He looked amazing. He changed the game. He he looked unreal. Uh, it's. Uh, they had control of the game at that point in time, and then it was wrestled off them. You know, he scored 61 points in 46% game time. I don't think that's he's going to average 100. He's still, you know, an expensive key forward. Um, I, I never want to pay a premium for a key forward in Supercoach. I feel like you, you would definitely get more value from a 123K player because um, that he'll have good games, he'll have bad games, Um slow burn but he's also potentially not in the best 22 so there's just a bit too much risk there for me to select him but JB the big talking point for this game I think is Jake Lloyd missed 
with knee soreness, does that affect uh-huh. his starting spot in your side? That's a good question. I didn't have Lloyd prior to this oh, game. Wow. I actually... What? I said, wow. Yeah, so I watched the preseason match the week before. And this isn't something that I particularly want to go on record with because I'm not betting against Jake Lloyd. Right. I'm writing it down. I wouldn't. But essentially, in the preseason game before, they had Jordan Dawson and Braden Campbell off of halfback, right? Mills in the midfield, Lloyd, Lloyd in the back line as well. Those two players, being such good disposers of the ball, got as much as or more disposals than Lloyd and used the ball incredibly well um, in his place. He, I think, is as... Not as he's not as good as a lockdown. It's so hard to sort of put it into words. Yeah, but I f- I feel like he's just going to be impacted, even in a minis- the most minuscule way, by those two players coming in because they play the same role, they do the same thing, and they do it. And I'm not for a second saying Campbell does it as well as Lloyd, but they do the things that Lloyd does differently, but. Essentially, they they make up for it. Um, Campbell's not going to play lockdown, and Jordan Dawson definitely can, yeah. um, but he's more of a floater and disposer of the ball. I just think that the impact that they have it's going to be small, but it's going to be enough mixed in with the impact that the the scoring the sh- the longer quarters will have, which I think Lloyd benefited from really well last year, is just enough for me to not spend up for Jake Lloyd this year. Yeah, and. It seems so silly. It seems like small little excuses and like just trying to save money. But if you spend that money efficiently, I think Lloyd is just far from essential. As much as I think he's going to be a good pick and go 110 plus, I don't think he's essential. And now again with an injury, which we just don't see Lloyd get, it's like everything's falling into place to say, you know what, this is the year I, I, I just go without Lloyd maybe. Yeah, look, I, I had Lloyd in my side for a very long time and I was happy to cop to him being, you know, 10 points overpriced or whatever it might be just because of safety and it's hard to get him throughout the year and I was all fine with that. Yeah. Watching that preseason game before Lloyd, uh, you know, playing more accountable, I think is the word. Um, yep. Just logically when I think about it, and I could be off base here, but when you have a rookie as talented as Braden Campbell, you, you do looks amazing. No, no, I'm, I'm saying like he's really good, but he's also a young kid, right? Like he, he's still a yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah, and like green. if you have to make someone in your back line accountable and you have, I mean, he, he might be a better kick than Jake Lloyd. He probably is a better kick than Jake Lloyd. If I have to choose one person to be more accountable, it's like, am I going to expose this first gamer and put him like on a deadly small forward? Or am I going to give that to Jake Lloyd and then like free up Campbell a little bit? I'm not saying it's going to be like a massive role change exactly. yeah um but i do agree that it could have some impact we could see jake lloyd drop from 122 average down to 110 average but that's still a lot that's 60k that he could drop i think you'd be able to pick him up for like 580 throughout the season which yeah. is hard to get to don't get me wrong and i still think he's a fine selection i'm not going to talk you out of jake lloyd um but no. yeah that's important we're not trying to do that and There's, like yeah. another another thing that goes without it's, saying is like our love for the, uh, so many of the defenders are so big as well. Yeah, like there are other options. He's he's not going to average fifteen more than the next guy. No, I th- I think he'll probably average five points more than the next person this year, maybe six yeah, seven points. But it's not enough where 
I'm desperate to start him anymore when I was before I saw all the preseason games. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to pick Jake yep. Lloyd. I'm not going to mess around. And and you add in the knee soreness on top of that. It's just there's enough things going on where I'm kind of like, oh, I'm going to just play it a little bit safe. <laughs> um, it's scary, but it's like the planets are kind of alive. Yeah, they, I'm kind of, they're telling me. And also, like, after all of these points, I'm like, I'm absorbing all this information. I just hate myself if I pick him and he's bad. And if I, and if, and if I don't pick him and he's good, I'll be more okay with it because I'm expecting him to still be the number one scoring defender. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just the value-wise, especially this year. It's a, I just don't feel like it's there. So, anyway, that, that's There is so on. much value this year, more than ever, in not selecting certain players rather than choosing yeah. the best players. Like, it's it's sort of... It, yeah, it's it's hard. The game's hard this year. It's so, it's so exciting. God. It's so fun. We're over halfway, and we're two hours I in, know. dude. I oh know. God. I know. Um, we're getting there. We're getting there. So, Crows versus Power. Oh, Yes. Sit down for another hour. Let's go. <laughs> um, no, there wasn't a lot of re- relevance in this game. Um, neither team is overly relevant this year, I don't think. Um, Rory Laird played that inside midfield role. 10 tackles, 25 disposals. Only scored 99, but they got pumped. Um, he's just so, so safe to go 105+. plus. Um, probably 110 even this year. So um, I th- his role is safe uh, he's good at it we saw that from the second half of last season and even if the rules he's kind of like if the rules aren't hugely in favour of the running back defenders we we at least have led no matter what who's going to he's going to benefit regardless so um, I think I just think he's a really easy option mm-hmm. um, who else do you want to discuss in this Adelaide team do you want to talk about Bucks well, I just want to quickly this match as a whole was another one where that the rule change, I guess, was, oh, it was like full. a million marks. Yeah, you, like there, there was two hundred and sixty-two marks total. Like Port Adelaide had one hundred ninety, yeah. which would have well and truly been AFL record if it was in a, a proper game. But not just that; this only had fifty hitouts as well in this match. So less stoppages, um, obviously, because there was so many marks. So this was yeah. like the extreme situation. Um, that can occur during the match. But yes, to answer your question on the Adelaide side, um, I don't really want to talk that much about Matt Crouch. I think the inside mids, well, I had those concerns at the beginning of the podcast. Um, Matt, yeah, and the bye hurts him as well. He's got a bad bye. He's really inside. Adelaide don't get as much of a super coach pie because they're real bad. Um, they get killed. I, I, th- I still think he can average you know 105 plus, but it's like at 584 K. I just don't think you're getting super good value so um no. it's probably a pass but yeah we can uh, it's the same for, like sloan i think is better value you know 474k and i think he will average 100 because he will play more as a midfielder but like it's just it's not enough for me to pick i'd him. rather taranto yeah, and rouse uh, I'd, I'd rather taranto for 20k less um anyway let's let's talk about butts first out of the super coach rookies Ooh. in this game um yeah Look, 70 points is fine, but at the end of the day, Dude didn't play. Wow, that was a weird... <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> yep. End of the day, Dude didn't play. Yeah, okay, got there, tongue twister. Um, so, I think Dude comes back in, Talia comes back in. It's more likely yep. Nick Murray, who played, uh, gets dropped. Goes out. Yeah, 102k, yep. defender rookie, 39 points. I don't think he'll play. But probably has decent job security, but he's a... 177k key defender key yeah he 
you would think Duday would be the interceptor and Butts would play more lockdown rather than the other way around. Even McPherson's more, the, more of an interceptor as well. They just need Duday back and yeah. Butts is the first one I, down. Honestly, I mean, I, I still think he'll play. I just don't think he'll score very well. And it's the same, I have the same problem with um, Nick Cox where he's 175k and he's just not got the scoring potential. So it's like a yep. super slow burn, but you don't really even you don't want him on your field. You don't really want him on your team. So yeah, I see I see Cox and Butts really similar this year. That was a weird sentence. Oh my lord! Um, I'm gonna <laughs> uh, I'm gonna move on. <laughs> um, James Rowe, 63 supercoach points in a in a flogging. Um, 15 disposals. He got up the ground a lot. He took a, quite a few marks. He should have had at least one goal. Um, he missed. Two easy ones per his standards. Um, he looked amazing. He's going to be a bench option, but um, he's going to be a good one, and he's going to play all year. So he he was awesome. Tick him off. Um, I don't. Th- and I also don't think he's going to be like a forties per game type of player. He roams up the ground a lot more than yep. like Lachlan Murphy that year. So um, I'm yeah, I'm kind of excited about Ray. I think he he was one of their shining lights of the Lock day. Lock him in. Uh, Otherwise, um, I don't think there's no much to talk about in the Crows. So, yeah, need, need some quick teams to go through. We can spend all that extra time yeah. on Port Adelaide. On Port, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let me start with Dan Houston. Okay, we have to. <laughs> yeah, so 34 disposals, 16 marks, um, only just the most for the game, surprisingly. Uh, had a goal as well, a hand pass around the back, uh, floating around that 50 mark. He looked amazing. Um, the the rule looks to suit him. Uh, he looks to have majority of the kickouts. Uh, but having said that, Trent McKenzie did t- take a lot of kickouts as well last year. I think he had what oh, I was saying on Twitter. He had nine of the no. Crows had nine. He had seven and played on from all seven. I think um, or five, he had five. Five. No, he had five. five and played on, and played from on four, five. from all yeah. five. Yeah, I knew it was an odd number. Um, I think he does get probably most of our kickouts this year, which is great. Um, unfortunately, it's just that thing of there being too many good defenders, and um, I just don't have faith that he's going to suddenly go 105. Um, I think he probably goes around the 100 mark quite easily, but um, there are just more guys that I have more confidence in. Yeah. No, look, I, I can't really and say Trevor Kenzie does hurt his scoring quite a lot. I, I think <laughs> in, in I really like Houston this year, but you're right. I don't think he'll break that top six to eight defender mark. So I'll, I'll move on and try and select him in draft. <laughs> Funny you say that. I uh, I got him in my keeper league, and it's the only thing holding me back from actually selecting him in Supercoach this year. He's a good, very good draft option. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he did really well this year, but I'm definitely not taking the risk to start him over a lot, a lot, a lot of safer guys. Um, Zach Butters is in the next one, 127 super coach points, 24 touches, 10 marks. Um, only the one goal. He got up the ground a lot, um, 88% time on ground. He uses the ball extremely efficiently. Um, for He had 91% efficiency this game. He didn't get the CBAs. Um, I thought maybe it was because Pal Pepper wasn't playing, but Pal Pepper is actually missing a little bit of time. Uh, Rosie got more than him, who's now confirmed out for the first three to four weeks. So um, that might help Butters in the first month. But... Personally, I don't think he actually needs or relies on the high CBAs to score well. Um, his role is different this year in that it's not um, playing the forward pocket and being a pressure forward. It's more going up the ground. Um, he had quite a few disposals at half back or up on the wing um, in this one and was really just the, the most instrumental player in the side at moving us from 
wing or half forward into the forward 50 um, and just using the ball efficiently getting into the corridor. So um, I think I think with everything factored in this year, he could quite easily, in my opinion, go 95 plus as a forward. If he gets to the higher CBAs, which has been spoken about all preseason, um, I think he could push 100 plus. Um, but it kinda, in my opinion, just with the CBAs, I, like from what I saw in the first preseason game against Crows, uh, he did really well in the middle. Um, wasn't just getting them for the sake of it and not doing anything with them. Um, he was getting most clearances when he was in there. So I think that's his eventual role in the side is the sort of 50-50 split like Robbie Gray used to. Um, but I, I just don't know if it's this year. Um, but if we get... Like, he had 2% CBAs last year, Pistol. Um, if he, if we get anything near on 15 to 20%, it's just that much more of a ceiling for him to start hitting. And he averaged 87% last year. Uh, sorry, he averaged 87 super coach points with the 2% last year. So um, I think he has a really high ceiling as far as super coach picks go for the next half a decade. Um, I just don't know if it's exactly all going to fall into place this year. He's in my side, but I think the better advice is to start without him at 477k and upgrade to him around the buy in which they come home with a really good draw, a uh, really good run of games. So ignore my bias and the <laughs> in my starting team and that I really love him. And and the best advice I think is to go without and to get him in. Um, but I won't be doing that. And if you do start him, uh, I, yeah, All the board. I think he's going to be awesome for you. <laughs> Look, I love getting baited into JB's Port Adelaide preseason picks, so I'll probably join on. <laughs> <laughs> but look, yeah, honestly, Port Adelaide are a, I hate to say it, they're a very good side. They've just added Alir and Fantasia into the side who are both, I think they'll add a lot to the Port Adelaide side. I think they'll be pushing for a flag this season. I expect there'll be games, particularly at home, where they smush the opposition team and eat up all of the large super coach pie. And in those games, I do expect Butters to go and score very well. I have concerns over his floor because, you know, he had multiple, you know, sub 50 scores last season, which kept his price low. I think he had a 39 as well. So if you have an absolute stinker that just, you know, kills your average, if he can increase on his floor, just, you know, as a young player, obviously. Was it thirty breakout? I think he could um, potentially, you know, fight for a top six forward slot at the end of the, I guess, at the end of the season on average. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously bullish. I'm starting him, um, but like I said, smarter to go without. But do you really want to miss those first few really good scores against North Melbourne and Essendon and? And such, maybe Mate, it is. I, I can't. Name. I have to start him if you are, because I'll never hear the end of it if he does well the first two weeks. That is the truest thing <laughs> you've said on any podcast ever. Um, besides that, Rosie's injured. Uh, he did play well in the game for an eighty-six, but uh, we'll miss the first month. Obviously, Arazio Fantasia is probably the next one to chat about, and um, I get a lot of heat for mentioning Arazio in any platform. Um, I think a lot of people are still really hung up on his um, injury proneness and the fact that he's come from Essendon and never really um, exploded. Maybe people think he's overrated or whatever it is, but there seems to be a stigma with Arazio where it's it's creeping into Supercoach and no one wants to start him um, for reasons that aren't really statistical or logical reasons. But um, <laughs> said, essentially, said with no bias. Yep. <laughs> no, no, but seriously, take it take it from an outsider. Look at it. So he scored seventy nine. He had six shots on goal. Thirty eight percent time on ground. 
but all of those stats are excellent, right? He's obviously versing the Crows, so take them all yeah, yeah. That's down a notch. Huge. Um, he's not he's not going to do anything like that against a lot of teams in the AFL, right? But if he he has the ceiling. He's priced at two hundred and seventy k. He's playing for a team that in the last I think it's three or four years straight have averaged um, inside the top three in the league, uh, usually around top spot for inside fifty entries. He's going to get so many looks at the goals this year that it's going to be ridiculous, more than he ever got at Essendon, right? He's going to be one of those players that is is sort of pushes up to the wing event occasionally and links us into the forward line as well. Um, he he will have a large role in the team. He's obviously locked into the best 22. Um, I don't see a world in which he plays in the first, say, eight straight games and doesn't make money for us, um, more so than coming or Hayden Young, or any of those other guys you're considering in defense. Jeez. Okay. Um, he starts He starts with North Melbourne. He's going to get l- literally seven shots on goal against North Melbourne in the first week. And then Essendon. And then Essendon, and he's going to get like another 15 it's against them. It's pretty scary. Like, yeah, it's, and it's not trying to be biased, but taking the pick in, in, in and of itself, he's already averaged 80-plus for a team that hasn't won a final with him in the side, right? So he's playing for a better team. I don't, I don't think any of us predict Port to be outside the top four. They're going to be involved in a lot of floggings over clubs this year. He is a one of our best, probably two or three targets in the forward 50. We were already heavily criticized about how much we targeted Charlie Dixon last year. We've now brought in a player that we can target less than, but more than you know the, the next best, which was really low last year, which is our biggest, probably our biggest flaw in that. If you cut off Charlie Dixon, we, we didn't have a shot on goals. So he's going to get all the opportunities here to kick goals, get high scores, and do well. The only issue is, and I'll take this as a billion times over because it is the only argument against, that he's really injury-prone. You need him to stay on the park. And the only thing I can say against that is, you know, new team, new club, new physio, maybe, like, I don't know what it is about the switching clubs thing, but compare him to Danaher, and so many teams have Danaher, he's the same player, Danaher's it's cheaper. the same logic. He's forty k cheaper. Yeah. I'd say he, he. I'd say he's got a lower floor than Arazio by by a okay. lot. Um, <laughs> I feel like yeah. We're having this. We're, we're having like a personal discussion, but on the podcast for everyone else. Like keep keep yeah. talking to me about. But this is a long time yeah, to talk so about Fantasia. Um, it is. It is. But I think he's just being really overlooked for someone who could be a sensational pick and one of the best money owners this year for us. Um, he, if the people that have Danaher in their team and you know shut down their Razio conversation, just baffle me a little bit because they are the same player in the same situation, away from the same club to a new club, both in the top four, both will be getting shots on goals a lot, both are injury prone. If you're starting one without thought, then that other one has to be in consideration. I do like the DPP, that's handy. I, I, it's it's frustrating he gets those two games first up because. They're not in his rolling average yeah, for price, very long. The price rise, yeah. So he doesn't yeah. make as much money as you want. And I do think he'll average way worse after those two games. I, I, I can see a world where he turns up in the first two weeks and then everyone jumps on and then he averages like 60 or 55 for the next five weeks. And then it's like, ah, oh, what no, no, did but I do? Porco, Porco, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. We have too tough, too easy, too tough, too easy, too tough. Like, he's, he, like, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I haven't compared it to the Brisbane fixture. But... 
he will just he'll have opportunities to make money and all he needs is to whip out a 70 in one of those tough games and then play two easy games in a row and he's he's making enough money for us do you think we can talk about another player or are we uh, just going to make sure, 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 sure. <laughs> no, um, no, so I, I do appreciate Bergen. I do appreciate the long discussion <laughs> on somebody that you think's being criminally um, overlooked. Just underrated. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think there is definitely merit in the selection. I don't want to... And I'm not saying he should be in 100% of teams, but he should be in more teams than what I see. Yes. And the reasons given usually for not starting him are just not the reasons for not starting him. Talk about his talk about his yeah. durability if you want to talk about anything. Miles right. um, Bergman and Lockie Jones look great in this um, game here. There are two potential starting rookies. Jackson Mead played as well, but I don't think he's um, really in the mix for round one, despite him being um, pretty good in his small time on ground for uh, on a AFL level, not a super coach level. Um, Lockie Jones, though, and Bergman did look great from both AFL and super coach level. Um, I just think they're in the unfortunate predicament of being in a really heavy back line already um one with a lot of players um Hamish Hartlett and Trent McKenzie missed and Lockie Jones still wasn't um started off in the best 22 uh for the match he was subbed on in the second half so I think that quite clearly speaks on his job security and the fact that he'll be a really unfortunate um bystander for the first few rounds at least until um Cleary plays himself out of the team which I think is <laughs> inevitable I think it'll happen pretty quickly um, but regardless, Lucky Jones just doesn't walk in and, and play game one, year one of Port Adelaide. So um, we just have too much depth at that that defensive um, part of the field. Bergman, on the other hand, um, if Hartley misses the first week, could play, um, could keep himself in the team if he outplays someone like Riley Bonner, um, who I think will start the season as well. So there's a little bit of potential there, but for me, he's just so highly likely... Um, to go out in the in the second week if Hamish Hartlett does miss round one, um, that is just too much of a risky selection for me. Alrighty, do you think uh, we can possibly move on to the Eagles versus Dockers game? Gee, you're, you're, uh, you make me sound so much worse than what I actually sound in these. No, no, no. <laughs> when we go on I, I don't have anything to add on top of your report analysis because West Coast you've d- you've versus did, you've done well Fremantle. there. I agree. I agree okay, with what okay. you're saying. So condescending. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Duggan, 98 supercoach points, um, played played a lot of um, midfield, obviously. Um, did start off of halfback flank, um, but did put up 90, the 98 points with 22 disposals, nine marks. Um, I missed this game. How, how did it look? So this game I found interesting because it was low scoring. However, there was still over 230 marks in the match, um, and there was 62 ruck contests, so lower than the average so there was you know some sort of but it was, it was also a very defensive game um not super fun to watch but managed to get through it but yeah i can't I'm glad I, missed I can't I can't, <laughs> I can't i can't speak too highly of um this matchup duggan was very good um he played a lot off the wing um, through the middle wing and then a bit off the halfback. I think this. I think he'll play mostly through the wing, especially now that Shuey is out for, I think, what was it, three, four weeks with a hammy injury. So Duggan's a, a kind price, you know, for 448K. It's a backman, but I have the same issue where, yes, he's cheap, but he's also unlikely to be a top six defender. So you're kind of just sacrificing points every week at D6 if you don't select him. Um because most likely you're going to be selecting him 
instead of someone like Tom Stewart or Ridley or whatever it might be, probably not the expensive Lloyd or Whitfield or Laird. Um, so I don't think he averages as much as them. So you will be losing points every week, but he's definitely value. So I guess there's upside in that. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. Um, uh, yeah, like you said, I think he's just one tier below um, the really good picks, uh, the really locked in top six defender-esque players. Um, I think he's got the upside as well, uh, so I understand the risk. But um, the thing that ma- the thing that has me curious is if Shui and Yo do return, what sort of average does he look at when he shifts back to half back? If he does that, I think so, he'll remain. He'll still um, go ninety five anyway. Like I, I see him between that ninety five yeah. and one hundred range, regardless of his role. He's just a solid player. Um, Alex Witherden, the coach refused to lock him into the best 22, which is concerning. Um, 81 points, 15 kicks, one hand pass, classic Alex Witherden. Um, do you think he's an option or just unfortunately not not his year again this no, year? No, so, I mean, he obviously played in the back line and there was a lot of marks for West Coast, 131, which is a huge amount. So nine marks is good. They chipped it around the back line. That's a tick. The problem was he wasn't actually like far forward off the half back line. He was like pretty deep. In that, like in that defensive fifty, a lot, and only really pushed up when everyone else pushed up. So he was like in that last yeah, line. It was the same thing in their first practice as well. Yeah, it was more last line backman, like coming out of the pocket, um, kind of like what Heath Shaw was doing in his final season for GWS. I just mm-hmm. don't see it go. I, I can't see him going ninety plus. I mean, they'd have to chip the ball around a lot more for him to go ninety plus, and even at that price. He's not going to be anywhere near the top six defenders here. It feels like a real wasted yeah, pick for me as well. Just lastly, on the West Coast side of things, Andrew Gaff, 85 supercoach points, 31 disposals. Um, he should suit the rule this year, um, but a couple of free kicks against, a couple of behinds, um, and 64% disposal efficiency hurt his um, output for this game. Do you think he's um, startable? Do you think he's just one to watch during the year? Yeah. What do you see? No, on one to watch. I think he could. He will have a period of games where he just scores really well and really consistently, but he's somebody yep. that I don't really want to start at 570k. That's, I feel like if you pay 40 more k, you get Dangerfield, and 50k more, you get Merritt, and they're like 10 points a game better options than Gaff probably. Um, maybe that's too drastic, but it's it's still I'd rather lock in the security and just pick up Gaff on the. I guess he probably will drop to maybe 550 you won't get that much cheaper but he also won't price you out so i'm happy just to wait wait and see on him classic nat 5 game finishing with 128 super coach points and a band-aid next to his name on fan footy um he just is the same as josh kelly i really don't want to get suckered in i i think he's a chance to play 22 every year and then have him on my side and when it happens even if it's a freak accident it's just kind of inevitable that he misses games and um, is just too difficult to play for an entire season when playing for overall rank. Without Chera and Sarong in the side as, as well, well yeah. he was going to have to play um, in the midfield. And now that Rory Lobb got a relatively long-term injury, I think they're going to bring in Chera and, Trelo- the Sarah and Sarong. Wow, it's a tongue, tongue twister. And Fife will have to be more reliant in the forward line. They also lost Walters. Yep. So they're going to need to kick yeah. goals. I think five that first month or two months period is going to play more forward time than midfield time, and then it might scale up after the bye. If he hasn't got injured and he's looking good, you can check him out after the bye for sure, especially if they're pushing for finals. I imagine they'll throw him more inside the midfield. So 
he's another start for me and uh, he's a wait and see as well. Just a few more to discuss in this one. Hayden Young, firstly, 83 supercoach points on the 23 disposals. Zero marks, which is astounding considering, like you said, there were 238 marks. Um, Got a few tackles, a lot of meters game, which is great. Um, Played a good game, but my problem is the first practice match when he had Luke Ryan there to sort of perform next to, he didn't quite do as well as I would have hoped. And now, obviously, without Luke Ryan in the side, he's done better. Um, Probably had quite a few more kickouts as well, which Luke Ryan has monopolized. Um, 83 is great. It shows decent ceiling, but unfortunately, I just think when Luke Ryan returns and a few other things go into play, I I just don't see him going 70-plus regularly. Um, Unfortunately, I just think the floor there is still too low to consider him. It's interesting that he had no marks in a game that was being... The footy was being shared around. Like, Ethan Hughes had 13 marks, for example. He's the only player, um, besides Nick Nat, who only played 40% time on ground, who didn't get a mark. Yeah, no, he he just... that's, it's just crazy that he didn't get a mark. Um, I don't think that happens again, and that will obviously help his scoring, but it's not good that that could happen. Um, just watching him play, he didn't really inspire me with confidence. He uses a ball, lovely kick. Um, yeah, look, as you said, Luke Ryan, they, they'll probably share the kick out, so he'll lose some points there, probably get a couple more points, balance it out. Um, I think he can go 80+. plus. I just don't think it's a really high chance of that happening. Chance, and yeah. Honestly, he's down. He still has a lot of downside. Like he's only played a handful of games. Like he's essentially a rookie still. Like it's not you know he's played the same amount of games as Raul. Like it's it we're we're, we're saying we don't want to pick. Well, some people are saying they don't pick Raul because it's such a small sample size. I mean, Hayden Young's kind of a similar sort of situation here. Obviously, he's very talented, but. I feel uncomfortable selecting him at that price without having seen enough. And these practice games and preseason games just haven't really shown me what I what I needed to see to select him. Particularly when you have someone like yeah. Jordan Clark going absolutely bonkers for thirty k cheaper. You're betting on a sixty five as much as you're betting on an eighty plus there. Yeah. I think so. That that's the main concern. Just lastly, the ruck situation. Lloyd Meek. Um, played the entire game without Sean Darcy, scored 75 super coach points. It looked pretty good um, overall. He could play. I think Sean Darcy's expected back round one or worst case round two. Tracy, Tracy's the other one who I'm interested in. Obviously, he scored 27 points in his 75% time on ground. Not great. Terrible. <laughs> um, I, would, I wouldn't have said it's good. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't barely even say that it's bad. It's probably worse than that. Um, but might have a team, uh, might have a spot in the side round one, um, got a good coach's endorsement following the game, um, and if he plays 102k forward ruck, um, should we start him? Is he like one of the best forward rookies still, or um, where do we sort of sit on him, and where do we sit on Meek versus um, the GWS um, I guess you ha- you have yeah. options. Um, if Darcy plays forward and Mick plays in the ruck to replace Lob, that's an option. But like neither of those guys are forwards; they're both rucks. So one of them would have to be vastly being played out of position, which I don't think is super good. I think it's more likely that either one of Mick or um, Darcy plays and Tracy plays forward because he can also play forward like or. Tracy gets dropped and they swing someone like Hamling forward or, or Cox forward because they both can play forward. And I think that's also very possible. Um, so I, I wouldn't say he's got super good 
job security, but at 102K, it's really easy to make money quickly. So even if he you know, gets up to 200K, it does barely needs to average anything to get there, and that's still 100K profit. And if Lob's out for six to eight weeks, that's enough time where I think he can, you know, if he, take, if he can play all the way until Lob comes back, let's say it's a six-week injury, you know, he could get three, four price rises. He's cracking 200K most likely. So I yeah. think he's fine as an F8. And, you know, if, if Flynn is playing as well and you have him as your R3, that just means that you have the opportunity to cash Flynn out straight to a forward yeah, and put Tracy, yeah, forward yeah, or midfield option by swinging Tracy straight into the ruck. So it gives your side some flexibility and flexibility is always really helpful in, in Supercoach. So I think it's a pretty good strategy to just pop him on your, your F8 bench if he's played instead of selecting like Harry Jones from Essendon. You know, he doesn't really add too much and they'll score similar. So um, that TPP, yeah, is really handy. Just lastly, Heath Chapman, uh, the 16th St. Tom and Ground does not look like best 22. Um, he did score 16 points in it. I think he looks like a good player, um, one for the future, but not not early in the season at least. So I think we only got the two more games left. Let's go. Finally, we're getting through it. So Western Bulldogs versus Melbourne, the second to last game of the round. Oh, my Lord. Um, there are a lot of flaming emoticons on the on the Western Bulldogs side <laughs> of things. Um, they were, they were, I just want to put the biggest disclaimer in possible right now. They were up against a midfield that didn't include Clayton Oliver, Jack Viney, Angus Brayshaw. Uh, I think I'm even forgetting someone, am I? Nah, I think it's just those three. It was a makeshift midfield. Um, Harms was one of the best midfielders on, on the ground. Petrarca was probably the best midfielder on the ground. So it just take it with a little grain of salt. But having said that, Bonds and Pelly scored 198. Josh Dunkley scored 170. Jackson McRae scored 158. Tom Libertore scored 140. Lord. Um, that's, that's not bad. Uh, Caleb Daniel scored 141. Uh, not, a, not even a midfielder that Caleb Daniel getting in there. So between... I'll start with Bonds and Pelly and McRae. Um, both of them had clearly amazing games. Um, where do you sit on the matchup? How viable do you think it is to pick them, considering Adam Trelaw is returning to this side and um, has to eat some of the pie, has to take points from somewhere? Um, where do you sit on those two players specifically, and and who do you think is the more likely to have a largely cont- a largely successful season? I think I need to just talk about Bulldogs midfield as a whole to answer your question. So. The way that I see this... Dunkley's a little different. No, I think, you, I think, I think, I think it'll all be included um, because okay, I think they, they all will it. affect each other. So the way that I kind of see it at the moment is last year in 2020, there was shortened game time. So there was limited, I guess, opportunity and rotation within that Bulldogs midfield. We clearly saw an order that had um, McRae and Bontempelli number one and two, Libba number three, and Dunkley you know, probably below Bailey Smith um, and, and around four or five mark. However, now that, you know, that, that obviously hurt them because they had much higher time on ground last season in the shortened game time. So they played more minutes. Now that the quarters are longer and we've gone back out to full length quarters, I don't think those guys are going to play necessarily more midfield time. Um, I think that will go probably to the fourth and fifth midfielder. So I feel like the players like Dunkley are going to eat up some more midfield time because of the games being elongated. So 
how I think that impacts someone like Bontempelli is instead of playing like extra time in the midfield and with limited rotations as well, he's going to spend more time up forward instead of on the bench. So he will come out of the midfield, Dunkley will go into the midfield, Bontempelli will play forward in those spurts, in those periods of time. So I love Bontempelli and obviously he did this last season where he scored like 200 in the preseason and I do think yep. <laughs> he'll go 110 plus don't get me wrong I just don't think that he's got that potential to go 125 plus because he always will have to be rested forward because he's just got the body shape Norton got injured again Norton is so injury prone it's unbelievable how injury prone Norton is and then the other forwards don't quite live up to it number one pick um you look he's yeah yeah no he I know I know his name (laughs) but he he's just he's not up he's not they keep saying he's not ready yeah the coach hasn't the coach said that so the day he's not playing at least for the first month what are they going to do like they kind of have to rely on on Bont to go forward at times well, English. They played Yeah, him, no, you're right. Um, Look, they have Steph, Steph Martin and English, and English will go forward, and that does help. But when you're you're still relying on Josh Bruce and stuff, just for them to win games, I think Bont will still be rested forward. And in those extra midfield yeah. minutes, I think Dunkley is the one that comes in. Um, obviously, Bailey Smith will be someone that comes in. But I, I'd also, and, you know, Trelaw, um, I just feel like McRae won't rest forward. He'll more rest either on the bench which is a rest rest or rested on the outside in the wing and play more midfield. So when I'm looking at those two players, I'm heavily leaning towards McRae, particularly with um, it didn't happen in this match. Both there was only 80 marks for each team. Um, But if there are games where the marks, you know, skyrocket, I mean, McRae is like the perfect player to take advantage of this man on the mark. He had 39 possessions and 22 kicks and used it at 87%. Like he, yeah, he's he will use the ball super well because he kick and kick. He he's the player that I was watching that was doing those bullet passes because he didn't he could he could just avoid the man on the mark and kicking it on the forty five degree angle. Well, there were two of those players in this game doing those bullet passes. Caleb Daniel being the yes. other one. Um, yes. Got hit. Well, he went at ninety one percent and had thirty four disposals oh my God. as well. If you they, don't mind. they could kick so, so well. Like they they use they're, this they're rule so unbelievably so well. And yeah. when he's kicking it at that such high efficiency and he's capable of getting bloody 40 touches, I, I just can't see a world in which I don't want to select McRae when his upside is he's averaged nearly 130 before and he's, he's priced it way cheaper than that. So for me, McRae is the one that I would rather take a punt on than Bontempelli. Um, and it's not, it's not close in my mind. Um, and I guess that also summarizes Dunkley in that I think he's going to get a lot more midfield time than last season. So therefore, he's a little bit underpriced as well. And we saw you know, 170 points. I know Trelaw didn't play, I understand. But when you have someone that has that upside, it's, it's scary. terrifying not owning them. And he, he's so good in that midfield that even when he's there, kind of like Taranto, when he's there, he just gets the ball really quickly efficiently and he tackles 11 tackles i mean he barely lost the ball and he still managed to get 11 tackles at 20 contested possessions it's just yeah i I feel way more secure having dunkley in my side to start the season am i right in saying that they had four players attend the cba no more i mean look 
Bailey Smith. No, I, like I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they literally oh, yeah, only they had, had those four, four yeah, players. Yeah. Bailey yeah. Smith didn't. He played yeah. half forward flank, um, and the entire match, and, and yeah, pretty much, and, and kind of roamed like up the wing, some wing CBAs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah wing so, CBAs. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> wing, yeah, wing it's the easy way of saying um, wing stoppages. Uh, yeah, yeah, same okay, as Hunter so as well. That, actually, they could really, yeah, Hunter played like exclusively forward. I think he's a shocking option, but. Um, as in a shocking option to super coach and a shocking option to predict to take CPAs away from anyone. Um, so they could realistically do that in the season, but add Trelaw into the mix. So it's kind of like they just used their CPA players in there and said, well, Trelaw's going to be in there as well, but we're not going to replace him for this match. Let's just see how those four go. Um, Libertore is going to be in there as well, and he unfortunately has a downside for the game and the actual game. Um, that he can't really play elsewhere on the field. So I think like that upside sort of does hurt Dunkley a little bit um, in that he's very versatile, same with Bontempelli. Um, but at the same time, they're so effective with their midfield time when they have it that it's it's just hard to bet against them. And when they get a hold of a team and their midfield gets a hold of the team and they have this sort of ceiling, it can be scary. Uh, you'd be watching Bulldogs games from behind the couch. So... Um, I think, yeah, like you said, I think you summarised these players well. Um, I think they're good options. Dunkley and McRae to start the season. Um, Bontepelli will be a good upgrade target at some point um, when he has too much time up forward due to an injury yeah, or something like that in, and then crashes yeah. down in price a bit. Happens every single season. Caleb Daniel um, interests me because he's typically a player without a huge ceiling um, who just peppers the 100 to 110 mark um, with the occasional 80 and the occasional 120. He went 141 this game. They were intentionally finding him at all costs coming off of that half-back line because of the interior kick that he's so good at. Um, this could be his season to really balloon out to you know 108 average just all of a sudden um, with the rule changes, and I wouldn't be shocked at all. Yeah, uh, I was originally... I originally had him in my side, but I don't know. I'm going backwards and forwards. There's so many good defender options. I just can't make up which one I want. Like, I think short, you know, shorts obviously really similar to Caleb Daniel in terms of they get yep. so much of the ball and they use it so well. Um, but in, the, in a similar way, they get so much of the ball. Like as Caleb well. Daniel's on all the, like, most of the kickouts as well, and he always plays yep. on. And he always uses it well. Yep. It's just yeah, it's tough to pick which halfback flanker you want. I think they'll all score really well. Um, I'm, I don't really have any concerns over Daniel. He'll go 100 this season. I, I would be shocked if he didn't. Um, so I, yeah, I, think I think it's, it's a, a good pick. Win-win. And it's funny that we see... So you've, you've read out these scores, and they're enormous. And you throw Trelaw in the mix, and you're like, well, they'll probably also... That's another 100 coming up. But when I look at the Supercoach pie for this game... Um, Bulldogs had 18.95 and Melbourne had 14.07. 18.95 is a lot, but like Port Adelaide had the most of the round with 2,056. Like they teams get more, like quite often. I think it yeah. was an average. Yeah, absolutely. Now now you're pushing it, but I think it was an average last year um, when teams won. It was like what was 17 30. 38, 1738, something like that. I did an analysis ages ago. I can't remember. Um, so teams, you know, they can get this amount, and especially when you win by 40 points. It's not unrealistic to think that they can have games where there's three players that go 150-plus. I think that is actually possible. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree. And, like, 
any of these players, Bont, Dunkley, McRae, Daniel, Libra, I think Libra especially, they have the ability, Intralaw, sorry, they have the ability to score eighty, an 80 or a 90 here or there. Um, and just factor that in, like, and this is with Bont having like a near on double tonness. It's just not going to happen like rarely ever, maybe once during the yeah. season. Um, and Dunkley hit probably his ceiling as well. Um, McRae hit probably his floor. Um, McRae's so good. But like they're, they're not going to have players go to this extreme. And when we add Trelaw in, there's going to be a player go 80 or 90 um, here or there as well. But it just goes to show they could score 110 collectively every week for the season and no one would blink an eye. Like the whole, the whole Supercoach Pie thing... Um, might be getting overrated just just a little bit when discussing these players. I think it helps Bulldogs' um, side where they've got players that basically don't score points. Like Ryan Gardner averages like 40, and they had Lockie McNeil, who might play round one, average 35. Um, you know, yeah. Riley West, Mitch Wallace. Like these players are not good super coach scorers. They're not high scorers, so yeah. It balances Steph Martin out. is a big one. He's just not going to eat any of the yeah, pie. I mean, him and he's ruining Tim English as well. Like, they both... Yeah. get splits so they have a lot of players I mean Josh Bruce we spoke about earlier um, by the way Bailey Smith had 25 touches still playing yeah. forward um, only scored 64 because he just doesn't use the ball well, he didn't. super efficiently yeah. like that's a reality this year that he still goes high possessions because he's such a good player but butchered the ball last year as well and, and just doesn't score highly at like much during the season yeah no so they've you're right there's plenty of players that score poorly for them, so they will have these games. I, I don't doubt at all. Um, I do want to quickly talk about Anthony Scott. Scott. He great Scott was really impressive. Um, he's listed as a forward mid, 102k, and playing basically as a defender, um, more I guess lockdown defender, small kind of like Connor Buderick, I guess, from last season. Yeah. Um, yeah, two goals. Yeah, that's impressive. I must have missed that. No idea what's going on there, but nice. Good on him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so I think leading into round one with Crozier out, um, mm-hmm. I think he's out for a little while now as well. I, yeah, like four I'd to six say weeks Scott is a hundred percent locked locked into playing. Um, yep. If you are loopholing in the midfield or forward, I think he's an option to loophole with because he plays on the Friday, so could yep. potentially score well. I think uh, I, I can't imagine he'd be... A, I think this game, two goals, as you said, I think that's going to be a bit of an outlier. I'm not expecting 70s. Oh, yeah, I'd imagine But so. hey, if he yeah. averages 55, 60 at his price, he'll make you 150K, and that's all we can and, ask and for. And Butterick had some really good games where he did pop up for an 80 and made a lot yeah, of coins quickly. So um, so it's it's definitely possible. It's important to note that Scott didn't come on for an injured crazier. He actually started in the yeah, 22. Yeah, no, he's 22, I think. Um, and JJ's kind of out of, out of favour, so yeah, really confident with that pick. That seems like an easy yep. one. Um, as you mentioned, Lockie McNeil probably, like, he could play round one. Um, the worst job security of anyone in the team, yep, I'd say. Sure. Um, and just doesn't Well, Trelaw probably comes in for him, either. I guess. Essentially, yeah. Um, but they, like, they lost Norton and Vandermeer as well. So, it's like, true. he might hold on to a spot for a few weeks, um, but he just doesn't have the scoring potential either. And he's first out of that team as soon as someone else is fit. So um, I think he's an easy avoid, even though he's 102K and probably playing. Yep. So um, we're going to move on to the Melbourne team. Uh, there's not really a lot to talk about. Gordon uh, looked good without looking amazing. Um, he was forward a little bit, but like I, I don't know about you. Do we need to talk about it? I'm not concerned. Oh, nah, I mean, his first six opponents are... are, 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 are I joke. mean, everyone's been talking about online. If you're unaware... 
who his first six opponents are. Um, it's beyond disbelief. So he's it's got every team with an injured. Yeah, Ruckman. he's got potentially Darcy or Meek in round one, depending on who's coming. Then Paul Hunter from Saints in round two. Then Flynn or Briggs in round three, um, and then the injured Ruckman, whoever they decide to play for Geelong in round four. Then round five, probably Segler or, or Big Boy, and round five probably Nank um, before then having um, Goldstein and Hickey and then Pitney. So it's just, it's <laughs> like you yeah. can't, you need a captaincy option. Um, I, I do have like slight fears about if there's going to be less stoppages, but the thing is he's so dominant anyway. He marks it all around yeah. the ground as well. Like he, he will get the I don't the think ball. he goes 140. He had four free kicks in this one. No. Four free kicks. Uh, what do you think he realistically, realistically averages? I think if he plays more forward time, he might drop down to a 135. 135? Maybe. I mean, Lockie Neal went yeah. 121 last season in, in 2019, I mean. What did, what did Gordon he do? He went 130. Last no, year? One, he went 140 last year and 130 the year before. Yeah. yeah. Nah, he's, I, I, I think his that. low is like 125. I don't think he goes 125 at all this no, year. No, I, I think that the, I think there will be an impact due to the less stoppages, and that will impact his upper ends from 130. And I think, uh, I mean, he might he might still go between 125 and 130, but I don't think it's enough that it's not like you can't really value Hunt in the ruck line because it's too hard to get up to Gorn, and he's got that the start of the season. Those games I read out, he could average 140. <laughs> like the time to own him is easy. the start. So that's when he's going to score points. So. Definitely lock in him. Okay, so on to the next one. Christian Petrarca, uh, obviously it's tough to assess the demons with a makeshift midfield, but he only scored 79 uh, with 21 touches. I think last season's um, scoring suited him to a T. Um, I think this season's scoring is the literal opposite of what suits him to a T. Um, I think it's sort of flipped on its head with the higher quarters and uh, the, the more chippy-chippy. So I just think he's bad value. He might be a good pick still at some point this year, but I, I don't think he's good value to start the year with at the very least. Um, so I find it really hard to just even chat about him. All right. I think um, that's probably fair enough. I, I don't have more to add yeah. to that. James Harms is the other one to chat about. 72 in this one, 18 disposals, four tackles. He, he looked good, but without the <laughs> midfield, you really wanted him. Like, he, he did look fine. Good? <laughs> but without the midfield, <laughs> with like eight O's yep. in it, um, without the midfield mix, you wanted him to go like 95 plus and, and just be really good in that midfield. Um, he wasn't quite there. He didn't look great. Uh, they got dominated in there. He was like sort of running with Bonzapelli at one point, clearly unsuccessfully, um, but he was attached to him. I just don't think you have as good a role as what we think and I don't think you'll have as good an upside as what we think and then as, on top of that I think the defenders would just be that good that he just has 0% chance even if he averages 100 to be a keeper uh, and I don't think he has any percent chance <laughs> of averaging 100 look <laughs> so. I, I was really hot on Harms in the mid-price podcast um, he's spending too much time on the wing and not enough time on ball and then you add this was obviously without Clayton Oliver and without Viney, and I'm like, what's going to happen? He's going to he's going to play midfield time, like they said, but it's going to be wing midfield, not like inside midfield. And then he's he's obviously his ceiling um, is worse, his upside is worse. And if you're paying, you know, 350k from, you really wanted that 90 plus 
um, upside and I, I think that's now lowered where he'll probably fall between 85 and 90 and I, I just don't think it's enough um, maybe between 80, 80 and 85 even it's yeah I think that's better. just I think that's more accurate. I think it's okay to take the risk I probably wouldn't suggest I wouldn't actively be like oh you have to remove him but I, I think I'd just say leave it but you know what risk you're taking when you're selecting him um, I've seen worse picks I would say remove him alright well we disagree <laughs> I'll take I'll take the money for him to Clark or him to Young slash some, coming slash. Some people Rizzo. have all four of those plays in their side. Oh, well, some people aren't going to do that this year. <laughs> um, we're going to we're going to move on. So just their rookie uh, players, uh, James Jordan, Jake Bowie were all spoken about highly of. Um, Bailey Laurie, I think a few people thought he would play, but he just doesn't look like he's going to get that opportunity. Um, but of Bowie and Jordan, one of them might play round one. We don't know. Uh, they've got a lot of midfielders to come back. If they do play, um, their job security is going to be iffy at best. Um, I just think it's too tough to start one we of those guys. We have to pick one of them, probably, because... I mean, we don't have to, but it's likely we pick one of them. Um, depending on if Lazaro... Bowie might have more of a defensive, like, half-back-ish type role, which is better jordan will just rely on the cpas when all their midfielders come back here i don't think they'll be there for him to eat up so um if bobby gets named round one i'll probably start him otherwise i think it's tough to start what with about him. james uh sorry k chandler uh 59 super coach points 161k forward um bit of an inflated price but he looks the most lively type it's just unfortunate that you have to pay an inflated price for a forward pressure yeah, I mean, small forward yeah. in at Melbourne. Yeah, that's the problem. And he got seven touches. Like he, he just he's gonna have some low scores. He might drop in price at one point. Yeah. Well then I'll pick him up. <laughs> yeah, then then we'll be talking about him as a trading There's option that One way. more player that we have to talk about. My man from last season who really helps me finish strongly and that's Stephen May. 140 super coach points. He had 27 touches, 22 kicks, nine marks, nine contested possessions, still six clangers, and scored takes, well. Takes the kickouts as he well. He does, yeah. It takes the kickouts. Um, look, his last season probably was underrated. I, I loved owning him. Um, his end to the year was 115, 110, 149, 102, 58, 122, 123. Just big scores. The 58, they played him forward. Um, at the end of the game, and it it didn't really yeah. go well. They they started Weird. swapping him forward against Sydney in, in the previous round as well, and then he didn't do that again. But, I mean, it's a little bit of a concern given Melbourne have so many forward injuries that if things aren't working, they might throw May, you know. There. I love but, May, but it's, it's just so risky with all the other things going on and him not being that explosive running back defender. Like, he just relies on the kickouts and... The intercept marks and that, and you know the ball on the switch a bit. But when those things aren't going well for him, if you get switched into a different position, like the the, the floor is there, unfortunately. And and with the other amazing options in defense, it's just really hard to recommend someone to start him, but not someone to to ignore during the season if he does. Yeah, start I, I was thinking like I probably wouldn't start him because I, I think it's more likely that he averages just on the underside of a hundred compared to some of the other blokes we've yeah, spoken about, yeah. but. If he's averaging like 104 halfway through the season, I, I would not be surprised in the slightest. I'd be like, yeah, fair enough. Make, makes sense. So, yeah. Believe it or not, Pistol, but we are into the last game of the I, round. I, I'm shocked. I think what are we, we're nearly in hour three. Yeah, nearly. We, we might be able to get this done before uh, that. Let's see. Let's, let's not push yeah, it. Probably not. We don't want to finish too early. 
<laughs> so Gold Coast don't have too many players uh, that are overly relevant for our sides. Obviously, Matt Rao is the main guy. Um, 20 disposals, 17 of which were contested. Um, big ticks for his shoulder. Uh, seems to be going fine. Um, had a couple of tackles in there as well. My issue with Rao, and I really didn't have an issue with him until I started thinking hard about it, but my issue is if this whole anti-center bounce, anti-tackle thing comes into play, it really just does not suit his game style. And he might play a really, really good season, like an amazing season by his standards, and just average 105. Um, like the best second-year season that we see, we've seen in a long time, but just might average 105 just because of the rule changes and the larger quarters that we haven't seen him play in. Um, I think like there are so many positives with Matt Rao, and I really want to start him, but I also just see the 105 staring at me and, and being such a high percentage chance of happening. Um, and that, that and 105 is so good for a second-year player as well. Like He could go lower than that, and no one would think that he's any worse of a player than what he is. Um, but if he does that, it just puts you in such an awkward position. You kind of need him to be around that 110 mark for him to be a solid keeper, M8, lock him in type of player. So um, despite his price being really good for his upside, um, I'm more so in the camp now than when I was before the game that the this 2021 season just won't be the year that he goes 110 plus. Yeah, probably... Um Surprise! I say it with heavy heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can I can hear it, the sorrow in your voice when you're talking about it. It's there. Um, I've I've not had Rao for quite some time. Probably shocking to some um, patrons, but wow. yeah, I, I was uh, not hot, not super hot on him. Um, we did it. We did a Slack um, projection where everyone did. We did like a normal, like a distribution of what people think he would score and you know, like percentage chance breakdown it came out our slack average expectation was 106 um and my projections were in the the bottom five <laughs> projections for Rao. so i i've been off him for quite a while and and the reasons the, the things that i needed to see from Rao were i wanted to see um tackles obviously with that that shoulder i wanted to see him find more uncontested ball which is actually pretty ironic because most of the time you want people to find contested ball but I wanted to know he could take it to the next level and super coach by just winning more possessions I think that was one of my biggest concerns for Al I mean he had 17 contested possessions I can't really complain that he didn't get any tackles in this game because he was he had the ball he wasn't really chasing people Um, but I do have worries in the game that's a little bit more opened up with the sideways kicking and stuff that he's not He's not a player like Walsh that demands the ball that runs into the space to get that extra touch. He just is like, I want to, I want the contest. I want to win the contest. And for me, I, I, I think the this was like he wasn't like fully out of my side, but um, I mean he was fully on my side, but he wasn't out of my considerations. But after seeing the whole weekend of football and how this man on the mark rule impacted. The games, it just was like another thing to add on the list of reasons why I was even more unsure in selecting him. And honestly, he's got the round 12 buy. If I got it wrong, I'll pick him up at the buy. I'd rather do that and just make sure that I'm right. I mean, he's still 500k. Um, it's 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 here nor there. Um, I think people like Dunkley for 60k more is probably a 
better a better pick. Um, so for me, I, I like that he had 17 touches. That's obviously a big tick. Um, ignoring his score, he did it in 70% time on ground. I think he'll get closer to 80 during the season. But look, Gold Coast, I don't know where they'll finish, how they'll go, and I, I don't know how they'll he'll go in terms of getting his uncontested ball it didn't it didn't scream pick me to me it didn't answer the questions i had going into the match so i'm going to pass but yeah. i'm definitely not going to tell people to remove Ralph from their side because they you know what risk you're taking when you're picking you're picking a second year player and you're hoping you can average 110 plus um that's yeah, pretty so much it the thing that really the thing that really bugged me is when you look at the players below his price range like he's so justified he's way better side. than them yeah yeah, so if you're, that's what I mean. If you're at that price range, you're like, oh my God, if I've got this guy, this guy, I might as well just go up to Rao because he's got such high upside. But when you start comparing him to players, when you've got you know, 60, 70K in your bank, it gets really tough to justify the selection, especially if you find it difficult to spend the money elsewhere as well. Um, the, the jump from him up to someone else like Dunkley, like you said, um, guarantees you a top six in their line keeper. Um, whereas Rao like, likely sits around top 10 to 12 um, in a best-case scenario, which is, is tough. Not so, best, best case is the highest-scoring player in the game. <laughs> well, I mean, look, he's not going to be the highest-scoring player in the game. Well, not with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope he doesn't have that attitude, but um, maybe we interview him before the game and just see where he stands <laughs> on that. But, um, yeah, essentially, it, it gets tougher the more you look into it. Um, but he's he's out of my side at the moment for the first time since the game opened. So um, it hurts. If he scores really well round one, I'll probably cry and start over. So um, Brisbane Lions, I don't really have anyone else for the Gold Coast. So what about Ole- Oleg Markov? No, he scored 63. Um, he had a great role. 21 he touches. had a great first half. Looks very lively yeah, off the halfback, sure. but you can't really pay... 71% time on ground for 63. It doesn't matter about, like it about the role, not about the score, JB. We've gone through three hours of this. Um, You've you got you to gotta consider him at 315-odd K. Um, the problem is... Okay, fair enough. All right. He's nicknamed No Leg Markov at Richmond. At Richmond. He's at Gold Coast, though. Now it's Go Leg, Go Leg Markov. Now he's go like yeah. you reckon. <laughs> okay. Uh, with his role, I could see him making money, but just there are so many good options around there, like better options. Not not that there are amazing options, but there are better options, I think. Yeah, I guess, um, yeah. It's funny because you can pick no leg or you can pick harms, but you can't get both. <laughs> uh, uh, arms, legs, no. Okay, never mind, continue. Anyway, um, <laughs> three hours of this. Yes, I apologize for going uh, a bit loopy. Um, I'm really hungry. <laughs> I'm starving. I didn't I eat did, before this. Did it's like 3.20. Yeah. Oh, we're idiots. We're so dumb. Um, okay, let's move on to Brisbane so I can go get something to eat. Lucky Neil, 101 Supercoach points. I don't really care. He had 25 touches. Um, it took him like a, a quarter and a half to realize that he was actually playing football. Um, and then he woke up and he, he went beast mode for the rest of the game. So um, he's what, good. What would he's he care player. about a preseason game against Gold Coast? Why? Yeah. Why? Why would he? Why would he give? Yeah, two hoots. Um, he's good. He. I think he's going to be overpriced, as I think Lloyd is well overpriced. But in the same sense, you're paying for what you're going to get. He's going to be a guaranteed top four midfielder. Um, at worst, uh, I don't think I can't see many people overtaking him this year. 
Uh, I just for me again as I said earlier with Lloyd and I don't want to tell people not to start either of them but there is more that or as much value this year in the players that you don't start with as there are with the players that you do start so um, just the money from Lloyd down to someone like McRae can uh, Neil Neil down to McRae could do so much for you so um, again not going to diss this selection he's obviously amazing so we're going to move on um, Tom Fullerton, I guess, is the next one to chat about. 65 Supercoach points, a couple of goals in this one, 80% time on ground. Um, he started the game as well. He wasn't just the... Um, well, he is, sorry, the, the replacement for mixed day. So he's obviously best 22. He, he has decent enough upside playing as the this sort of backup Ruckman. He only had three hitouts in this one, but... Um, being a capable forward at the same time helps, so I think he could put some good scores on the on the board. I'm just worried that he only plays a month worth of football. I think he's probably out when Mistay comes back and they get they probably get Danaher to be the backup ruck. Um, I think that was the original plan anyway. But look, yeah, he's I like the DPP forward and ruck eligibility, but you're right. I, I'm not even sure he'll get to a price rise. It's just a little bit too risky for me, and I, I don't want to take that risk in my starting side. Yeah, so three goals from Joe Danaher, 12 disposals, five marks, um, two frees for one against. You would say that this is a good game for him um, based on what we expect during the season. Uh, we kind of want 70-plus um, more weeks than not uh, if he's going to get three goals. He especially. could average three goals, yeah, to out. be honest with you. That's only 66 yeah, goals he, in the season. I think he's possible. I think he can do that. He scored 63 super coach points with that, however. Um, really the opposite of what we're looking at. We need the, the higher goal-scoring games because, um, look, there will be games where he doesn't kick a goal. I'll be... Like, there are... Um, and there, he still has that injury risk. We need these three-plus goal games to be in the 70s, 80s or higher. Um, a 63 is a little bit concerning, but just the fact that he got through the match, 89% time on ground, uh, kicked three goals and surprisingly zero behinds. I think they're all ticks. Um, Joe Danaher just still is one of the best options uh, in terms of cheap rookie sort of price players that are going to make you a lot of money. Um, he's not currently my team for the first time in quite a while. Just, I don't know. There are there are, there are a few little cons that are just creeping up on me to go with the positives that he has. Um, and then you've got players like Paddy Dow emerging that are sort of competing for that same spot on the side. All of a sudden, you have a team without Jared Danaher. So, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Is he is he just, is he the biggest lock of the year? He's obviously not. But like, where do you, where do you put? No, him? I, I think the injury risk is probably underplayed because he's had such a flawless preseason. But he's still very much so on injury risk so it depends on the risk profile of your side if you're picking a whole bunch of people like um josh kelly for example fantasia if he's in your side and then you (laughs) want to pick like jay-z um you know impy dow whatever if you're picking all these players it's a little get fife as well you're a little worried i think well i would be a bit worried but picking danaher on top of all of those players and i'd have to try and move things around or cull somebody just to reduce my risk profile so i mean that's kind of the way that i like to play um where it's not all or nothing um from round one but look if if his upside was so great that it was like well like worth the injury risk then i would i'd select him but like realistically there's players that you mentioned like um, Dow or Impio or JC or whatever, that, that Fantasia, that could make the same amount of money as him and could score the same amount of points as him as well. So there's other options available and you just kind of got to do what's best for your side. So I definitely like the pick. 
I, I just think it's very side dependent. Fair enough. We have one more player to discuss. It's the um, the young child high schooler, Harry Sharp, who came on for Cam Rayner, uh, was super influential in his 45% time on ground, had 10 disposals, kicked a goal. Um, six of his 10 disposals were contested, which is shocking because he's built like a rake. Um, <laughs> but he scored 52 super coach points. Uh, fact of the matter is he's 18 years old um, and he's in high school. So I don't think he's exactly going to play You know, the first five to ten games. I think he's probably going to be in and out of the squad um, a little bit and we just can't have too high an expectation on someone like this. I know he's defender eligible. We all want our defender rookies, but um, I think he's really tough to, to get into a side and have any confidence in that you know, he's going to play a fortnight straight of games. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that as well. I mean, hopefully he gets picked. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, he was super influential in his time on, but they, they also have Someone has to come in for Cam Rayner. I mean, it might be Eli Smith. It might be Reece Matheson, who's you know got more, I guess, runs on the board. It, it could be Sharp. I mean, one of them's going to get the opportunity here. I'd probably pick Smith or Sharp if they got named round one just because the scoring potential is high and just hope they play well enough to, to hold their spot. Um, JB, I was going to ask if Reynard is now gone for the season with an ACL injury. I think he was yep. meant to have more mid-rotations. Um, that was one of the reasons why I fell off um, Jared Lyons uh, earlier in the preseason because he was splitting his CBAs. Uh, Lyons and Reina were kind of sharing them and Zorko put his hand up and said he was going to play more forward uh, because it's time for people like Reina to step up in the midfield. Now, with Reina out, does that mean Zorko becomes more of a factor to look at in the starting teams? He scored 105 points in this match, 17 kicks, um, 19 total possessions, 9 marks and 2 goals, which is not similar to games you kind of expect soccer to have throughout the season so how do you how do you see him yeah and he did play purely midfield um for the match so um that's awesome he he ticked a lot of boxes uh look he's one of those unexciting players that you can start because he's never going to price anyone out um he's probably going to play well consistently throughout the year he might have some like scores in the 80s but he's forward eligible so it doesn't really matter he's going to be a top six forward um, I don't think we ever thought that he wasn't going to be, even if he did play heavy forward minutes. Um, he's just too good a player to not consistently you know, get those high scores um, here or there. So, um, look, I, I think he's going to be a really good target. I think we're going to be able to upgrade to him for a, a similar price during the year, maybe even cheaper. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to discourage anyone from starting him because I think he's a super safe top six player. I just think someone like Dunkley with a much higher ceiling or someone like, I mean, obviously Dangerfield's ahead of him, or punting on someone lower, like a, a value yeah. um, potential premium keeper is is the way to go rather than just picking a safe you know, one or five. It's the same reason I'm not really on Dusty as well. Um, someone who's going to be at their price point whenever you really want to upgrade to them and it just won't blow anyone away and just isn't great value. I mean, he's kind of a... POD, really. I mean, he's not in that many sides. He's pretty old. Like, he's sneaky, sneaky old. So, 32 or something. Yeah, um, he's, he, he's 32. But, I mean, his past history is scoring is fantastic. I mean, if he is going to play pure it midfield, yeah. we're talking a guy that's gone 110 before. Like, technically, his last yeah. three years, he went 98 last year, 107 the year before that, and 90, 96 the year before that, and 110 
you know, all the way. All yeah, the way I back. think you fall like somewhere between there, like 103, 105 type of the situation by the like end. Like, that's, that's better than his current price. It's only priced at 525. It's priced at 98. So, it's not like when people are trying to avoid, I guess, overpaying and overspending premiums, he's probably not actually that bad value. Yeah, in a vacuum for what we think he's going to produce for the season, he's, he's not bad value. If you, if you look at his spot on your field in round 22 and say, I paid this average and got him for this average, it'll be great. And like, I don't think there's going to be any losers in that situation. The problem is, is I, I still think he's going to have games where he's going to have consecutive games in a row or um, something's going to bother him or maybe he gets suspended for a week. I don't know what's going to happen, but... Essentially, I think there's going to be a better point during the season to get him than right now. So as much as you're not going to be dissatisfied with starting him, I think other players are going to be more satisfied by trading him in at some point, which is, you know, apples and oranges. But essentially, I just don't think he's a good starter. I think there are so many players in this game that are going to do really well. I think some of them are amazing starters. Some of them are amazing trading options. And he just fits in that second category for me. It doesn't mean he's a bad starter. And it doesn't mean trading options like in a whole are bad starters or starters are bad trading options, but they are just better suited to one of the two and he's just better suited to a trading option. Fair enough, JB. I think... Um, that was a long answer for a, a like a easy, It was, question, it was. Right? And I think uh, I'm, I'm tired. I don't know if anyone... I wonder if anyone's going to listen to this in one sitting. Probably not. That would be incredible. Please <laughs> contact us if you get through it in one sitting. That would That's be incredible. Awesome. Um, but anyway, JB, um, what what have we got to look forward to before round round one, which is on Thursday? So yeah, soon. so th- this is our last talk in regards to players and breaking them down and um, really hitting the hard stuff with individuals and, and stuff like that. But there is a lot of things that I'm seeing on Twitter that need addressing. Um, a lot of teams that I'm seeing with you know multiple defensive rookies or. Um, you know, Jay-Z F2, a lot of weird structures. Um, one of those structures is good. One of them is bad, by the way. I went through each one. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of things happening that have caught my attention that I want to talk about. So for the first time, I think we have a super coach season where structure is important um, and it's difficult and it's obscure this year and it's different to what anyone probably would have started with in the past. And I want to get you or Chizo or both of us to to sit down and just talk about the structure of defense through to forward and why um, and how we're justifying certain structures and, and money spent in certain positions because um, I think it's more important this year than any other year I've played Supercoach yep. and I think it's uh, just being underrated and underspoken about in the community as in, in general. And look, honestly, we... we talk a lot pistol and we talk about what people were doing wrong and like not we're not sitting there chatting about people and like, oh his team's bad for this Cheezo's just made we're all these mistakes <laughs> yeah well also workshop workshopping ideas in which we can podcast about to try and help the broader community all at once because we can talk about players that pertain to this team or that team or um you know this person might have already made their their mind up on all their four premiums so they don't need to hear about any of them um so the generic podcast can apply to you know, certain people, but this structured podcast, I think, would apply to a lot more people than if we were to just, you know, go through all the rookie selections or, you know, the mid prices again or something like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be good to sit down and have a chat and, and go through, you know, the 
ins and outs of the the structure. Yeah, no, I think that would be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. But JB, geez, I I don't want to have to podcast for 200 minutes. I feel like that's when you take a look in the mirror and think yeah. what you've been doing with your life. Um, but look, we're, we're <laughs> past the 190 minute mark, which is insane. Um, but thank you very much for going into this detail and depth of the preseason games. I think it's really important to get out um, before the season. So hopefully we can uh, upload this and it doesn't take, you know, 48 hours to upload because that would be a bit stressful, but uh, yeah, imagine all the, all the data is outdated by the time you get it on, on the line. No, right. that would be hilarious. Uh, if you have any feedback, any questions, you can find us on Twitter. Um, myself at pistol underscore DRSC, JB at JB underscore DRSC, Chizo with a Z underscore DRSC, and the general Dr. Supercoach is just Dr. underscore SC. I'm losing my words, JB. Um, but thank you very much. <laughs> just... It's a lot. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Th- thanks to everyone for joining us on this one. Um, we will be chatting to you again before the start of the season. Um, I don't know when we're going to do team reveals, but we'll be active on Twitter if you want to send us your teams as well. So we've been going through a lot of those recently. And of course, don't forget, we've got a Patreon with our Slack. Uh, we're very, very active in there with the, the team reveals and people messaging us constantly. And there's a lot more um, podcasting like we said, we did the 30 for 30 uh, on all the 30 players. So if you want to catch up on that as well, then you know just jump in. That's you know free to everyone that jumps into the Slack. It's or free once you pay. Patronage. <laughs> but yeah, what? like as in you don't have to pay to a certain tier to get access no, the to base, the podcast. No, the base tier, three, three US dollars are a month. So you'd get more than 15 hours of content. You it's could literally lot. jump yeah. in, listen to your content, and then jump out a day would, later. And I wouldn't and recommend that. I would. I'd hope that you'd. I would stay. hate that. Yeah. Um, you'd still get a shout you know out what, on the podcast. JB, so you've really just reminded me. Um, we're going to do a oh. fun, free, <laughs> free if you pay, um, <laughs> uh, tournament um, in Slack. Not the cup. A different style of tournament. I will release the details to our patron members um, a little bit closer to the season. Just need to do a bit more prep. Um, so yeah, come and a nice little tournament with a little prize just for everyone that's part of our patrons. So excited to uh, announce that as well in the coming days. Ooh, am I part of it? Can I win the prize? You can. I, I don't think you will, but you can. Yeah, okay. I'll, that's, my, that's my goal now. Um, all right, awesome. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. It's been a great podcast and cheers. Cheers.